Hey everybody, welcome to the History of FMW. This is episode number 27. Uh, this is going to be the final episode covering the official FMW. Um, this is going to be, uh, we're going to be, be covering January to June of 2002. Um, in the last episode, we reached the segment where um, Hayabusa missed a moonsault, and uh, he is now par uh, uh, he's paralyzed, and um, his in-ring career is officially over. So that is FMW's ace is now gone. Um, Brett, uh, if before we get started, if you want to just let people know, what are the financials like uh, for FMW now, and what struggles are they going to face as they try to continue into 2002 without their biggest star? Yeah, they're millions of dollars in debt. I mean, they had been millions of dollars, or been over a million dollars in debt going into 2001, and now they're in the two, two to two and a half, near, nearing three million dollar uh, debt range. Um, losing Hibusa is pretty much guaranteed that you're that I, I went over it last episode where there was an audience of the FNW fans and then there was an audience of the Hayabusa fans that were coming to the FNW shows uh, to see Hayabusa specifically. Well, when Hayabusa was out earlier in the year, they left and they started losing a lot of money, especially on the house shows and Corrigan halls were uh, shows were no longer making up that money that they were losing at the house shows. They're just bleeding through money at this point. Hayabusa comes back, Things are starting to be more stable, but they're still losing money. It's not like Hayabusa was, you know, all of a sudden now they're making money. They're just losing less money as a result. Well, now Hayabusa is injured, paralyzed, and it's he's not coming back. So now there is not even long, there's not even that long term. Hayabusa's coming back. He's gonna fix everything. Everything's gonna be okay. And now you've lost that Hayabusa fan base again. So now you're millions of dollars in debt from the past couple of years of just losing money. Um, six months of Hayabusa being out from late 2000 to early 2001. Now Hayabusa's out, and now you're running shows again without Hayabusa, and that Hayabusa loyal fan base is not showing up. So now your uh, attendance has dropped back down again to a deadly, uh, this is not a thriving you know, promotion. This is a struggling, uh, very, very hurt, hurting promotion. And um, just to ask, uh, who, like, who owns this debt? Uh, Shoshi Arai is the one, you know, F the FNW company itself is, um, you know, is the one in the, the company itself, FNW, um, Frontier Martial Arts Incorporated, but Shoshi Arai is the one in charge. He's the one that needs to, you know, get the money and get, uh, bring in the money and, uh, making the bills and everything like that. So, um, you know, it's the company itself is, ha that is officially in debt, but Shoshi Arai is a very, very poor man at this point also, um, his life is going downhill. Um, he just had a divorce back in October um, around the time period that Hayabusa was injured. His wife had left him, and now he's having to pay child support and um, having to move out and everything like that as well. So he uh, financially is struggling personally as well as his company because uh, one of the things to try and keep FMW going, the company itself, was awry, was putting up his personal money to keep it going he was paying he, he was paying his friends he was getting his family he was putting loans on his car and everything to be able to keep fmw going and that was one of the reasons his wife left him was she was so upset that why would you do why would you sacrifice your way of living your family's you know uh money to keep a company going all right um 
Well, okay, uh, let's jump in, let's, excuse me, let's jump into the timeline real quick. Um, before we get to FMW, one note is uh, on New Year's Eve, Onita went to an, uh, to an Anoki-branded show. Obviously, Anoki and Onita never had that big match. Uh, what was Onita's intentions when he went to this show? He just, all he did was, um, he had a, his Onita fan base, you know, he all he's outside in the parking lot and everything, and, I mean, there's tons of fans and everything following him and he's you know he comes to the door and everything and then that's it you know uh, he's not allowed in and there was nothing i mean it was literally just him trying to get attention um but he knew he wasn't gonna be able to get in and like i said there's all these fans and everything just surrounding him but he um you know nothing ended up happening as a result and um onita he's gonna just he's gonna be entering back in as a major player by the end of this um, so, okay, the first FMW show of the year is going to be the standard Jan uh, January 6th show, which is in Kurokin Hall. Um, if you want to go over that show for us. Yeah, so they um, announced 2,100 fans, but again, um, these, you know, are obviously not near sellouts, but they're, I mean, Corrigan at this point, they weren't as deadly as uh, they as they had been back in like March and April without Hayabusa. There was a decent amount of fans, like I said, it's probably about half full or so, but um, the two top matches, so the main thing now going into 2002 is... Fuyuki is going to have his own foreign heel group. It's kind of going to be like the ECW Japan group from 2000, but it's not going to have the ECW name. WWF owns that at this point, the, uh, all the ECW trademarks, but a lot of the ECW wrestlers are now available. And so um, they end up bringing back um, Balls Mahoney, um, as well as they bring in the Sandman and uh, Vic Grimes as well. And so they team up to take on Tetsuhiro Kuroda and Mr. Ganosuke and Mama Sasaki. And it is a hardcore brawl. Um, lots of chairs, tables, and everything. Um, the one big spot here is um, Vic, uh, Mr. Ganosuke, um, who I talked about last episode, you know, he kind of got over as a baby face due to Hayabusa being injured and everything and cut this passionate promo and, um, you know, because of him being uh, legitimate best friends with Hayabusa. And so he's a baby face and, and, you know, it's FMW against Fuki and the foreigners and everything. Well, he ends up getting put on a table and on the outside of the ring and Vic Grimes climbs up the turnbuckle and he ends up doing a dive, like a somersault dive off the turnbuckle to the outside to send Ganesuke through the table. Problem was, was the spot was for Ganesuke to move out of the way and Grimes was just going to go through the table himself. Well, Ganesuke's leg gets ends up getting caught under the uh, table, and he didn't doesn't end up escaping all the way. His leg's still under the table when Vic, 400 pound Vic Grimes comes crashing down with a somersault through the table, breaks Ganesuke's leg. Ganesuke now cannot move or anything like that. He has to be, you know, he's um, laying out there. Um, there he's needed to be attended to, and eventually they end up having to carry him out. And so the match is just a two on three uh, match for. Um, only other notable real spot here was uh, Sandman, is, was, who was pretty over here as well. I mean, um, he, the fans loved his entrance and everything. But he, um, he does a spot where he's climbing up the turnbuckle, and Mama Sasaki takes him, grabs him, and throws him off the turnbuckle to the outside where two tables, one on top of the other, are stacked up. And Sandman gets thrown through two tables, which is a pretty impressive spot. Um, and then, but like I said, it's two on three. Um, 
And they're pushing, they're actually kind of pushing Vic Grimes here because of how big he is. And um, Mammoth Sasaki, he's a, a big guy as well. So it's kind of like a Mammoth Vic Grimes mini feud going on um, before uh, Vic Grimes would end up pinning Mammoth Sasaki. And um, Vic Grimes gets on the mic and ends up calling uh, Mammoth a fat piece of crap, which is pretty ironic considering Vic Grimes is probably twice the size of Mammoth Sasaki. Um, but so this is to get over the new heel side and everything. Um, this show, and before I uh, forget, this show, you know, F, FMW changed directions at the start of the year. I talked about the last couple episodes, or the last episode, the last couple of shows were actually pretty decent and everything. Um, you know, there was there was no Hayabusa, but there was still some, there was a passionate fan base and everything, and they were heard, and they had some good bloody matches. Uh, it, everything just went to crap in 2002, and I mean, I think it's just... A, I don't know if it was just the direction or knowing it was just, you know, time to give up, but there is just, this show is just not good. I mean, all the matches, the, the match I just described was okay just because of the, the spots that the, everyone was willing to go through, but all the undercard matches are horrible. The best thing about this show is actually they have a introduction, um, like they have a brand new TV entrance to the show and it's uh, a public enemy uh, music is playing while all the FMW wrestlers have their own little vignette skits and everything. Um, that's probably the best part of this show because, like I said, it's just 2002 FMW, um, they did not go out with a bang pretty much. But um, the main event also is uh, Kentaro Kanemura. He's defending his WEW world title against Koto Fuyuki. Um, this is pretty much just to get Fuyuki over as the top heel again. And so... I mean, it's an okay match, and Fuki, um, he, you know, Kanemura ends up sending Fuki through a table. Um, Kanemura looks like he's about to send Fuki through another table when the foreign heel group ends up charging the ring and attacking Kanemura, which causes Mama Sasaki and Tsitsuhiro Kuroda to run the ring, so there's a big brawl and everything before they're all cleared out, and... Um, the finishing sequence is uh, Fuki going for a lariat and Kanemura ducking out of the way, but Fuki then coming back and smashing him with another lariat um, and putting Kanemura away. So now Fuki has won the WEW uh, heavyweight title and all the uh, foreign heels are, um, you know, celebrating and everything. And they also introduce a new uh, heel manager for the group, uh, Mr. Kid. He's going to be like the translator, a cocky little small guy. Just um, He's there to help the foreigners translate and everything, but he's going to play this heel character along. So it's it's like a bad copy of the ECW Japan from two years ago that didn't work out two years ago. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, so... So with uh, Mr. Ganosuke's leg broken, uh, is there any 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 kind of panic? Because I, uh, uh, you know, you wrote that you thought that that was when they probably should have just gave it up. So, like, what type well, of panic does his injury cause? Yeah, I mean, when that happened back in 2002, I knew FNW's dead. Like, there's you know, and that's me following it and being the biggest supporter and everything. And I remember that night. Going, FMW is not going to make, it. and I mean, they, pro you know, they. I've, I went over a couple of episodes. They probably should have closed down in 2000, late 2000, early 2001. But 
I knew in 2002 this promotion's not going to make it because you just lost Hayabusa lost Hayabusa long term, and now you lost Mr. Ganasuke, who was probably the number two or number three top draw and had at the moment at least he had some momentum going because hey he was Hayabusa's friend and. You know, there was some legitimacy. You know, he actually got himself over as a babyface um, after the Hayabusa injury, and now you've lost him. So now who do you have? You have Tetsuhiro Kuroda, who was a failed experiment a year ago as a heel and, I mean, kind of a bland babyface. Um, and then you have Mama Sasaki, who's not ready at all. Um, I mean, he's a good worker, but he's not a top guy. So now you don't even really have, like, a babyface side to be – um, you know, to challenge against Koto Fuyuki and the foreigners. So, um, like I said, I knew at this time, yeah, FMW was not going to make it. It's just, there's just too many bumps in the road at this point. And, um, but Shoshi Arai really did try. I mean, as far as panic and everything, you know, um, it was just a, it was, like I said, it was a bump on the road, but it, it didn't change anything as far as Shoshi Arai trying to keep the company going. Um, you know, he ended up missing a couple shows as a result, so it didn't really do any long-term effects as far as drawing because FMW wasn't going to make it much longer because Shoshi Arai, all the last couple months of being in debt, was going to catch up to him. When FMW was born in 88 and 89, we talked about how uh, the magazines really helped them. You know, they wanted more promotions to cover and stuff. Um, does the industry, you know, the magazines, the companies, the venues – uh, that they they run do like is the industry aware that FMW is in such dire straits? They know it's it's bad. Um, you know they're not reporting it. I I may mention um, the magazines. You know FMW is now kind of at the back of the magazines. Um, there's there's more popular promotions and everything going on. Tori Yuman has caught fire. Um, it's it's a really strong uh, hot promotion. You know, uh, New Japan, All Japan uh, were always bigger, but now there's Noah. Um, so that's a bigger promotion now. And then you have Zero One, which is like this interpromotional, multi-promotional um, uh, promotion going on right now. That it's kind of hot with Shinya Hashimoto and everything. And so. Um, on top of, hey, Onita still has his fan base. So FMW is now dropping to, they have a pretty good deal as far as being on Sky Perfect TV. And, you know, you know they're making, you know, they've made millions of dollars or, you know, or over a million dollars being on Sky Perfect TV, which they used right away. But um, they're pretty much just a low indie at this point. You know, they're going to, and we'll talk about here in a second, you know, they're going to start working with DDT, which at the time is not even big enough to work a Corrigan Hall show because they want to get the good rub that DDT has, you know, the good, the momentum that DDT has. They want to get some of that. So um, they're, you know, nobody necessarily knows when FNW is closing, but I, I mean, people knew it's closing soon or they're going to need to be sold or something's going to happen because yeah, like, I mean, just looking at the attendance, looking at the house shows and everything, um, you know, I, I mean, you just look at, at how empty the buildings are without Hayabusa, and, and especially the non-Corrigan Hall shows, you know this promotion can't live like this. Uh, one other note, when you were saying about all of the different companies coming up, you also had uh, Pride coming up, the MMA got big. So yeah, they yeah, and from just like... Japanese wrestling itself was just was was going down. I mean, that was the whole thing about why FNW started the decline to begin with. 
it's because just the Japanese bubble wrestling bubble had um, declined, had bursted, and now, uh, you know, as a result, there's more promotions, and like you said, yeah, Pride, all the MMA is really hot at this time, so wrestling itself is not hot, and so New Japan, All Japan, are, they're, you know, all these promotions, they're losing money, there's more of them, and there's nothing FMW's doing that's catching attention, and now you don't even have Hayabusa, who, like I said, at least he brought in a separate fan base to at least help out as far as attendance goes. Mm-hmm. All right, um, right after this show, uh, they announced that uh, they're going to be postponing their January 21st show in um, Hiroshima. Uh, full disclosure, you know, FMW, they only run four shows in the in the entire year here. Um, when they postpone these shows, um, you know, do they, are they losing money by doing this? And like, what was the main reason? Did, did they just, uh, assume it was going to be just a giant bomb of a show? Yeah, they were just, um, promoters and everything, um, it, it, that, that, that March 31st show, or sorry, the January 21st show would actually end up happening on March 31st. They would reschedule it. Um, they just, at that moment, they just felt like they didn't want to run a show, um, you know, that's going to lose money and let's push it back. And they actually had planned out a tour for March, um, you know, for the last week of March or so. So they were going to run a legitimate tour in March, but for January and February, they just did not have anything that they felt felt was going to be a successful tour so they were they kept the touring to a minimum uh for these first two months of the of the, sh- of the promotion and like i said ironically enough it would be you know that would, would end up being all they would end up doing um i know this is such a stupid question to ask but like are there you know are there efforts to bring in new new talent or uh it's just it's so sad to see it go down just so quickly um, I mean, I guess they brought in the American guys, but, um, well, well, nobody thinks that the company is going to fold, I guess. Okay. Um, so, okay, going on. Um, despite all this, they are making arrangements that they plan on having the May 5th Kawasaki show. That, like, that is planned. And uh, to build up hype, Fuki starts to challenge uh, KG Mudo. Um, Fuki has a match against Kawada in February. And um, they're hoping to build up, you know, if Fuki beats Kawada. Then no, Muda. Muda was going to take on Kawada in February. Okay, I'm sorry. So, um, so, like, was this match already locked in when Fuki starts to issue the challenges? No, it wasn't locked in, but they had the insides that inside out that they think that they felt it could happen. Um, we talked about how you know Fuki had that relationship with Tenru, and so he had the context to be able to you know. And Fuki had just ran the uh, Real World Tag Team Tournament back in November, so Fuki had toured with them and everything. So Fuki felt like he could get this match to to happen um, as the big draw. Now the thing was is I don't believe you know, I, so I don't think it actually was like, hey, this is official or anything like that. But this was, we could get this we could get this match to happen. But I don't think it was actually going to be the main event because I just can't picture, because Mudo was going to win over Fuyuki. There was no doubt about that. 
but there, I just couldn't see the show ending. You know, FMW was never going to end on a big, you know, the outside babyface beating the heel, like uh, for their biggest show of the year. So if you, I would imagine, you know, if fantasy booking and for predicting something that never happened, I would guess that would ended up being a semi-main event and they would have had like a Garuda or something actually main event. I, I mean, it didn't happen, so they probably didn't even think it out. But I can't imagine just Kijimuto winning the main event at Kawasaki Stadium against Fuyuki um, as the main, you know, as the top top match. But I would I could see it as a semi-main event, kind of like how they did the Fuyuki Tenru uh, semi-main event at the previous Kawasaki Stadium show. Um, it's okay. Going on uh, on January twentieth, uh, there was a uh, show at Kurokanal promoted by uh, the Rainbow Company. Um, what was Rainbow, and uh, what was the show like? Yeah, so that's uh, Kazuhiro uh, Hatayama. He was a former wing referee, so he decided he wanted to start promoting shows, and so he, um, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of wing uh, former wing talent and everything. So he promotes uh, a show at Corrigan Hall, and you know, um, pretty much the two top matches are uh, Mitsuhiro Matsunaga taking on uh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara, and kind of like this uh, wing versus battle arts slash PF, uh, you know, Fujiwara Gumi uh, promotion. So um, it, it's, Matsunaga comes to the ring and he's covered in barbed wire. He has covered himself in barbed wire completely. And he wants to have this match with Fujiwara with the barbed wire wrapped around him. Well, that doesn't last too long. And eventually after he kind of gets dropped down, he ends up, you know, feeling the pain of the barbed wire. He has to end up taking it off and everything. And, um, Fujiwara bust him open and they use a barbed wire bat. Matsunaga's cut open and stuff. And uh, Matsunaga actually throws some uh, thumbtacks in the ring. And again, you know, most would probably know, but Fujiwara is like an old time uh, Matt, St- Matt Skills, you know, uh, style wrestler. He's not a hardcore wrestler at all. So Matsunaga drops down onto the, the, um, the thumbtacks and it's like, let's let's Matt wrestle. Come on, while he's laying in the thumbtacks. Well, Fujiwara ends up kicking him and then trying to like Matt wrestle him while Matsunaga's already down on, you know, with thumbtacks sticking to his back. And so another idea for Matsunaga that didn't really work out. And then um eventually Fujiwara would just end up headbutting Matsunaga and Matsunaga would just drop down to the ground and the referee would call for the match and give the match would stop the match and give the win to uh, Fujiwara and Mr. Pogo would end up coming out and challenging uh, Fujiwara and so there's uh, a bunch of the battle arts guys with Fujiwara come out a bunch of the old wing guys would come out and they would actually set up a match um, like a a uh, Tin Man, like Captain Falls match between Fujiwara and Mr. Pogo uh, for March because they would run a show at the Differ Ariaki, um, which would result in um, Fujiwara actually making Mr. Pogo tap out to a Fujiwara armbar. But um, so anyway, so after that, all th- all that happens, uh, the wing guys are still in the ring from kind of that little mini fight with the battle arts guys. And um, the, the the next match, the main event of the show is uh, Hito, Shoji Nakamaki, and Masi, Mas, uh, Masayoshi Motegi, who are all former wing guys. They're going to take on Asushi, the, the great Sasuke, and Hideki Osaka. And they come to the ring, and um, 
you know, it's it's the Onita Braum type match and um, fighting all over the building. But Mr. Pogo stays in uh, stays around and he ends up attacking Onita. So they're pretty much bringing back the Onita Pogo feud here. And uh, like I said, Pogo is uh, interfering and everything and ends up grabbing Onita. Well, he ends up. Um, I think it was uh, Motegi charges at uh, Onita, but Onita moves out of the way and Motegi hits Pogo and Onita in- eventually ends up hitting um, uh, Motegi with a Thunderfire powerbomb. And so Onita, Sasuke, and Hideki Osaka get the win. Um, but as far as, like I said, the rainbow promotion, it was a, it, um, you know, it, like I said, it had wing roots and everything. It was, you know, trying to get the wing guys um, some bookings and everything. Uh, uh, the Mickey Ibaragi promotion had just happened. A couple of those shows had happened in 2001 and were uh, somewhat successful. So probably a, a former wing guy saw potential in making money. And they ran a couple more shows. Uh, they ran another show, like I said, in March 2002 with the main event of uh, Matsunaga versus Kanemura in a lights out uh, death match. Um, and then they would run again at Corrigan Hall in 2003 before um, Hatayama would end up uh, cl- pretty much just stopping the promotion after three shows. Yeah, I remember because um, um, Honma wrestled on one of those shows, and that's how I first. Yeah, saw he wrestled that. on this show. Yeah, yeah, he um, he ended up taking on uh, Masato Tanaka. Um, it was kind of yes, yeah, it was he, he had he, there was a, a trial series where he ended up like taking on like three guys uh, on the same night and everything like Kanemura, that's Tanaka, right. and and everything. Yeah, um, and I remember when I when I had the tape as a kid, I just kept thinking. It's like a lot of hardcore and deathmatch, but it's Rainbow Promotions. Kind of funny name. Yeah. So, um, so that goes on. Um, FMW, uh, one second, I just want to double check. Uh, so they held a show, which was, uh, they held their final show, uh, February 4th at Kurokin Hall. Um, I'll let you go over the show, but um, what, uh, how was the show overall, the final show? So they actually announced a sellout crowd of 2150. And again, I mean, these last two Corrigan Hall shows, by no means were they like, oh my goodness, look at this. You know, I mean, it wasn't heartbreaking. Like, I mean, like those February and March shows of 2001 where you look at them and go, oh my goodness, Corrigan Hall is empty. So, I mean, like, I don't know if it's the foreigners or just, you know, there was this loyal fan base to of FMW and, um, you know, even Hayabusa said, you know, please support, you know, keep supporting FMW. That was his last words before being stretchered off. You know, he wanted FMW to still be around for him to come back to. Well, he, um, well, anyway, um, you know, so Corrigan still did decent. Tokyo, they're still, you know, somewhat of a fan base and everything for the Corrigan Hall shows. It's just those house shows, which, like I said, they had to cancel or postpone or, um, you know, run very few. But the few that they ran were just horrible. Uh, just drew nothing. But, um, like I said, they drew, they announced 2150 uh, for the final show. And um, so I, I made mention of this. They, um, they decided to start working with uh, DDT and um, actually IWA Japan as well. Kofuyuki, um, like I said, uh, you know, DDT at this point had been a small little independent promotion based off kind of a, a WWE style, WWF style at the time. And they, um, uh, they're pretty much, um, 
you know, like I said, like kind of running at clubs and, and, you know, they would eventually end up running a Corrigan in a couple months, but they were never thought of as like even a promotion that could ever run Corrigan Hall. It's just this small little goofy independent. Well, it's kind of got some momentum and everything. Mikami is, is pretty hot. He's kind of got like a Jeff Hardy gimmick. Um, sends a hero to Takaji. Uh, he's, you know, has like a Steve Austin gimmick. So there's, there's a little, um, you know, momentum and everything. Well, Fugi picks up on this. Hey, there's this little small promotion and they're kind of doing what we're doing, but they're actually popular from it. You know, I mean, there's, you know, they're, they're going up and we're going down. We're losing money. They're making money and we're pretty much doing the same thing. So let's work together at this time. Still FMW is a bigger company, but um, DDT is on the rise and, you know, obviously FMW is not. And so Fuyuki uh, works an agreement with DDT where um, on the DDT shows, it's announced super Uchu uh, power, who had a alien gimmick. He was um, Koshihiro Kamara, who had worked wing in FNW in the past. He uh, announces that Koto Fuyuki is now the FMW commissioner, or sorry, the DT commissioner. And that causes this big ovation from the small crowd when Koto Fuyuki comes out and pretty much declares war on DDT. So he's now going to be the heel commissioner for um, DDT. And he ends up um, helping out Chaco Mukai win the uh, DDT Ironman Heavyweight Championship, which was like the WWF Hardcore title, which was defended 24/7. If you could pin them, where no matter if it was a ring or anywhere, um, you know that's where that is Falls Count Anywhere type type style, pretty much total taken off of the hardcore uh, belt. And so Fuyuki ends up helping Chaco Bamukai win the de- the DDT Ironman heavyweight title from Sensihiro Takaji. So uh, they have a rematch at the FMW show um, on February 4th. So Sensihiro Takaji makes his FMW debut his one and only time on the last FMW show. He uh, has a match with Chaco Bamukai and they brawl all over the building, including fighting in the men's bathroom and, um, you know, I mean, it's a it's a comedy gimmick, and I mean, it's or a comedy style match, but I mean, it's it's decent and everything. Um, before Sensihiro Takaji would eventually end up getting the win uh, with a Stone Cold Stunner, and so Takaji ends up winning the belt in his only FNW match. He wins back his uh, DDT um, Iron Man title. And then, like I said, um, IWA Japan and FMW were now feuding at this time. Um, so gorgeous Matsuno, who um, probably most would know from old-time DDT shows, he comes out. He's a rich actor. Uh, he ends up call, coming out, challenging Shoshi Arai, as well as um, uh, Asano from the, IW, oh, the IWA Japan owner. Uh, he ends up coming out as well. And like I said, they challenge, you know, Shoshi Arai comes out and everything, and now FMW, you know, they declare war on FMW. So now FMW is declaring, you know, is working with these small little promotions. IWA Japan at this time, it's a very small promotion. Um, you know, it's nothing like the 1995 IWA Japan that had that ran Kawasaki Stadium, or even the 1997 one we talked about that could run Corrigan Hall re- regularly and have these. You know, this is a complete. Um, you know they're on in complete re, uh, rebuilding mode at this point. They have no real top stars, but FMW is agreeing to work with them. Um, you know, uh, but it, obviously it doesn't go very far. Um, 
and then the semi-main event of the show is uh, Kentaro Kanemura, uh, Mama Sasaki, and Goemon uh, taking on Vic Rons, uh Paula Duke, who uh, was a in- American independent wrestler, um, not the... Uh, you know, he, they said he was related to the uh, Joe LaDuke, who um, was a Canadian wrestler. Um, I, so I think actually Paul LaDuke was a Canadian wrestler as well. But um, Joe LaDuke actually had worked in FNW like in early 1990. Um, as well, and th- So Vic Grimes, Paul LaDuke, and Mitsunobu Kikuzawa, um, Kikutaro without a mask. They, you know, they have another brawl and everything. Um, Goemon ends up getting busted or cut open. Um uh, uh, Vic Rhymes, he ends up having this weapon where it's kind of like five pizza cutters uh, attached to each other, to, like on, and you can wrap it around your hand and everything. And so he uses that on Goemon and just cuts open Go- Goemon uh, big time here. Um, but so pretty much, uh, like I said, it's it's just a brawl and everything. It goes 20 minutes, and then um, Mama Sasaki ends up getting the win. Over uh, Mitsunobu Kikuzawa, he ends up with a power slam. Um, so FNW finally gets one win over the foreigners, you know. And again, you know, they're really pushing the heels, the foreign heels, um, big time here. And, um, you know, just Fuki and everything. Like, I mean, it, it, and I, I understand Fuki's booking. It's like, we got to get the heels over to eventually let the baby faces get the win. But the problem is, is nobody even knows, like, wait, who's the top baby face? Is Tetsuhiro Kuroda the, the top baby face again? Like, I mean, that's the only one, but he's not even doing anything. You know, at least a year ago, you know, there were major segments. You know, he had a lot of airtime and, and, you know, the promotion was kind of built around him. Well, now the promotion's not even built around him. He's just kind of there and he's just the number two baby face and, I guess, and quasi number one because there is no number one. Um, but so the main event of the show and the last ever FMW match, uh, because of Mr. Ganosuke's injury, he was originally, it was supposed to be a WEW tag team title match because Kuroda and Ganosuke were the champions. Well, now the belts have to be vacated because Ganosuke, uh, his leg is broken. Um, and now they're going to bring in Sabu to team up with Tetsuhiro Kuroda against Koto Fuyuki and the Sandman. So now it's just, you know, the winner is the um, WEW tag team title, uh, tag team champions. Um, you know, uh, Sabu ends up coming to the ring with a Hayabusa mask on and a uh, fake um, tattoo around his chest that Hayabusa had as well in uh, memory of Hayabusa or, you know, or out of respect to Hayabusa. And, um, I mean, it's an okay match. Uh, I mean, nothing great or anything. It's it's uh, Sabu ends up, you know, hitting an Arabian press and, um, you know, he, a, he, he at least connects all his spots and everything. Sabu does a good job here. Um, but uh, eventually, uh, Koto Fuyuki would end up hitting a lariat on Kuroda and... Uh, eventually Koto Fuyuki would end up putting away Kuroda and for the very last FMW match, Koto Fuyuki and the Sandman would defeat Tetsuhiro Kuroda and Sabu. Uh, like I said, when Fuyuki would put away Kuroda with the Lariat. And so, uh, Fuyuki and, uh, Sandman are celebrating their drinking beer. Like I said, Mr. Kid, this new heel manager is out with them. Fuyuki has this new, uh, woman with him as well. Um, a, like a manager, and everything. Um, they're like I said, they're all celebrating. Uh, eventually, Mama Sasaki would end up coming out and clearing, and he would announce to the crowd that he was actually going to work 
uh, a pride show uh, coming up on February 22nd. And um, so it's pretty much like a tryout uh, for new pride fighters. And Mamasaki had, had had some wrestling background, so he had a legitimate fighting background. Um, he would, but, you know, so he's going to try and, you know, see if he can make it into pride. Because like we talked about, pride is a huge deal at this point. Um, and so, you know, this is going to be his tryout to do to become a legitimate big time fighter and everything. But um, so that's the last announcement through FMW. Um Pretty much the show ends with uh, Mama Sasaki, uh, Sabu, and Tetsuhiro Kuroda, you know, just uh, raising ha- their hands and everything. And that would be the end of the show. And they would announce that the next show would be on March 10th at Corrigan Hall. But um, it would end up being the last ever FMW show. Um, so I have a few questions. The first one, so why are they making the decision to fly in foreign talent versus using, uh, you know, trying to get, you know, DDT guys or something? Because they still want to try and possibly draw. Like I said, the Sandman, I mean, still had somewhat of a, a fan base and everything of people that knew him. You know, I mean, he was around, at, you know, uh, the Japanese new ECW wrestlers from 1997. Um, that's why FNW brought them in uh, in 97, 98, because there was a fan base that was interested in seeing them. And so, you know, now you can pick them. Now you can get them without having to deal with Paul Heyman, without having to negotiate. This guy has to win. This guy has to be put over. You know, you can't lose to him. Okay, fine. I'll have Bal- Balls Mahoney lose to Hayabusa, but that's it. You know, you're not dealing with Paul uh, Paul Heyman or any of those negotiations. You could just straight out book them. So it was a lot easier your process as a result and you know like i said they still were over sandman was over sabu was still over um you know they're still at this point you know they're not broken down or anything they're still pretty good workers and so um you know, it's just something to help possibly draw these Corrigan Hall shows or help at least maybe um, pull up the gate of a, you know, house show or something because they had them tour, you know, or at least that one other show, you know, the one other show that they would run uh, besides Corrigan Hall, they would um, have them wrestle as well. So it's, again, it's one of those things where this is going to draw better because DDT guys, yeah, they're going to draw, you know, they might draw for their own promotion a little bit, but I mean, they're still just running like the Tokyo Club Adam, which is a 300 seat building, pretty much like running Shinkiba. They're not like established draws or anything, but the Sandman and Sabu, those are established draws that could possibly help at least possibly, you know, pick something up on a, at a, uh, you know, a, help draw a Corrigan Hall show. Um, one thing I want to know is we've talked about the relationship between Hayabusa and Sabu before. Um, with them having such similar styles, like, uh, you know, what is their relationship like after he's injured? Uh, Sabu loved Hayabusa. Um, I mean, they call each other brother and everything. So, I mean, especially after the injury. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked about before. Sabu, you know, Hayabusa um, was the Sheik's, uh, pretty much like his his boy and everything. Like the Sheik would loved Eji Ezeki. And so uh, Ezaki was always around Sabu and everything at the beginning and, and idolized um, somewhat Sabu and respected him gratefully, uh, greatly. And um, the only even issue that they ever even really had was Sabu was kind of off that Hayabusa's look was so much similar to him 94 95 you know maybe 96 or so when they weren't like interacting with each other anymore so that was the only thing Sabu wasn't a big fan of or but I mean um I mean I think even before the injury they had made up and like I said and after the injury they loved each other every time Sabu would come to Japan they would meet up um Sabu 
would end up meeting up with Hayabusa uh, just a week or a week before he died, and just gave him a kiss on the cheek and said, "I love you." And Sebu's uh, girlfriend would go, "Why do you do that?" And Sebu's like, "I just felt like it." And then, you know, I just felt like I needed to because I'd show, tell him I love him. And then, you know, Hayabusa died a week later, and Sabu's like, that's why I did it. Okay. So, okay, um, going forward, so as we said, this was, hi, uh, I'm sorry, this was FMW's final show. Um, this is the moment, like, I'll be, you know, I was telling you, when we started this, this is what I've always kind of, this is the main event. So, um, can you walk us through what happened on February 14th? Okay, so I'm going to try and uh, – this is based off a uh, Shoshi Arai's um, autobiography that he wrote uh, prior to his passing. So he wrote a whole chapter about this um, last day of FMW. And so I'm going to try and kind of like transcribe it as best, best I can to make sense and to make it to where um, you know it's it doesn't go an hour or anything as well. So um, – you know, so he, he so Shoshi Arai at this point is so just he's so just okay, I gotta pay this guy to pay this guy to pay this guy. It's I need to make I need to make money or I need a I need a loan so I can pay back this person I owe this money to. So he is just like, Oh, I today is just another day of just making sure I keep everything afloat. And I, I you know, before I even mention, I do want to make, uh, let's say, you know, Shoshara was trying to sell the company. It wasn't something where he just was, I'm just going to keep FMW going the way it's going. And eventually he'll turn around without Hayabusa or anything like that. He was trying to sell FMW, um, but nobody would take it because wait, why are you gonna spend money on a promotion that I mean, as of you know right now is probably about three million dollars in debt. So you know that's not something a business that's willing that has the money to buy FNW is gonna want to take up. Even though they're not taking the money, the, that's you know the debted money, they're taking a promotion that's not hot. It's losing you know it's losing money. They're gonna pay money pretty much to lose money. So he cannot find an a buyer or anything like that so he but he's just trying his best to just keep it afloat just make sure it doesn't go bankrupt or anything like that so right now he's paying six companies interest to not cash the check so he's giving them um, you know six different companies checks just going hey but i'm going to give you interest just um, you're getting more money not to pay not to cash these checks that i owe you and everything so on February 14th, he has to go to the bank to convince them to not cash the checks that were given to them as well. So he's going to the bank as well because some of these places have given their checks, but he's, you know, um, but he can't, he is um, making sure that they're not being, uh, being put through or anything like that. So, and, and right now, like I said, he's already given his car up for interest as well. So that's, keep fmw going he's putting up all his belongings and everything he's had put up his house up already um so right and and so right now um he has about 500 to a thousand dollars or 500 to a thousand on interest so he's gonna have to pay ten thousand dollars interest to extend the checks from being cashed so um but there is a bright side to him so he's thinking you know okay everything's going horrible but i'm in the talks of getting a one hundred thousand dollar fund from a bank on February fifteenth. So if I could just make it today, you know, if I can make it through February fourteenth, I'll get a hundred thousand dollars, and everything, you know, that would be, you know, that could keep me going for a little bit longer and everything. I just need this, you know, I need this fund from this bank. 
Well, he ends up getting a call from one of the loan sharks. And they're upset that they had not been paid. One of the loan sharks had not been paid um, their interest from a previous loan. And he um, the, he was supposed to pay this interest the previous day. And that's where everything goes to hell pretty much because he didn't have the money to pay someone that he had promised. Just the loan of, hey, I'm going to pay you this money um, just to not cash this check. So the loan shark doesn't cash the check and he still he doesn't get the money. So that's what screwed this all up. So Arai asked that loan shark to wait to meet because he needed to meet with six other companies, but the loan shark requested that he visit him. No, you got to meet me, Arai. I'm not going to just let you do whatever you want on, over the phone and, okay, sure, I'll wait. No, we need to talk about this face-to-face. -face. So Arai meets with the loan shark and thinking, okay, I just got to get this. I'll handle it and everything will be okay. I'll just, you know, and I'll get to the bank, make sure that nothing's, nothing, you know, none of the, um, none of the checks are cashed or anything like that. So he meets with the loan shark and the shark, the loan shark has so many questions. It ends up taking hours to be able to get out of this conversation. So him being able to meet up with these six other companies and everything ends up, can't, it won't end up happening as a result. So he used, um, he ends up he used the loan sharks because he could not get the loans from them and they um, they just make mention he so he's using the loan sharks because he because they don't have a data system like companies offering loans or anything like that so he can go from loan shark to loan shark and just keep getting money from them whereas if he went to like a business that you know loaned you money they're going to be able to detect wait they're all sent, you know, hey, this guy just borrowed money from this guy. Obviously, he's not going to have the money if he's borrowing from another company. But with loan sharks, they don't have that system. So he's just trying to go from loan shark to loan shark to get as much money from them as, as he can and then try and like pay back the loan shark afterwards based off the money he's getting from another loan shark. Does that, does that make sense where we are right now? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, robbing Peter to pay okay. Paul over and over. Pretty much. Yeah. So, okay. So, so he was asked, um, how many people was he borrowing from, from that, or from that loan shark that he's talking to? And Arai has to lie. Uh, no, I, I'm not borrowing from anyone. No. Um, but the loan shark goes, uh, you know, I don't trust you. I'm not going to leave. So he's, he's, you know, so this loan shark's not letting him leave or anything like that. And, you know, he's going, who are you borrowing from? And Arai's having to lie. I don't, I'm not borrowing from anyone. So then the loan shark goes, I'm not leaving until you tell me who you're borrowing from. Well, then Arai makes a huge mistake. He opens the can of worms and he tells that loan shark, I borrowed from this other loan. I, I borrowed money from this other loan shark. So the problem was that loan shark knew the other loan shark. So I'm going to go off a of rise book here. He, he obviously wasn't going to give names or anything like that. So he just started giving them letters and everything. So this loan shark that he's talking to is loan shark. A, the one that won't let him leave. He is, you know, he's, he's the one that made him come over and meet with him and discuss this. And Arai ends up going, ah, okay, fine for, for you to let me leave. I also borrow from loan shark B. Well, like I said, loan shark A knew loan shark B. Well then loan shark B ends up getting a call from loan shark A and shows up 20 minutes later. So now there's two loan sharks. that try and be like, what's up Arai? What, you know, where's our money? You haven't paid for me. And now, you know, now they know about each other. 
the whole thing about the getting from the loan sharks was they didn't know about each other. Like, you know, if he had used a legitimate um, loan system. So they end up exchanging information, loan shark A and loan shark B with each other. And they want the money for, um, they want the interest money. Hey, the money that you, we promised, you know, we weren't going to pay for your, che uh, for your checks and every, or to cash your checks and everything. We are, you know, we want that money right now. We're not letting you go until you pay us. Well, like I may mention, Arai has only, you know, he's poor. I mean, he's given up all his money to keep FMW going. He only has $10 in his wallet right now. So, you know, what what what, what can he do? Like, he, it's not like he can just pay them money and here you go, let me go. So um, Arai ends up telling them that if they don't let him go, then another company is going to cash that check and that he was offered and they won't be able to collect any money because FNW is going to go bankrupt. So these checks are going to be no good if Arai isn't let go now because, okay, you want you want this money, but if you keep me here, then this then FNW is going to go bankrupt and all these checks are no good. So Arai begs them to let him go. Let, you know, Please let me go. And he writes them an interest check which was um, twenty, uh, which was twenty five hundred dollars each, um, that were owed for waiting. You know, so that he writes pretty much, look, you're getting the money, but you can't cash this. You know, this money because again, F and W is going to go bankrupt. These checks won't be good if you cash them. So then they agreed, but they want Arai to sort the money situation out with the other company on the front on the phone with in front of them. Problem was was is was another loan shark. That was uh, that he was dealing with. So he's going, hey, I'm dealing with this company I, to get this loan to be able to pay you guys. I need to talk to this company. You know, I need to talk to the company um, to be able to make you know get this money so I can pay. You know, so money can go into the bank account so you guys can get your money. Problem was, it was another loan shark that he would have to talk to. Well, he doesn't want them to know that there's another loan shark out there and everything like that. So um, Loan Shark A wants him to call the company and directly transfer $5,000 into their account instead of a rye. Um, so they would both get paid. So, you know, they're both owed $2,500 on the interest. And so Arai's going, I want to talk to this other, you know, I need to talk to this other company so you get the money. Well, they don't trust Arai, so they're going, you need to pay, uh, you, you, when you talk to this guy, you need to get us the money sent to us instead. So... Arai would actually call um, the IWA uh, president Asano, and you know, and making it seem like he was talking to one of the uh, like a loan guy, a loan officer, and everything like that. So Arai talks to Asano, and he ends up uh, Asano ends up agreeing to send him fifteen thousand dollars, which is ten thousand dollars more than. Uh, you know, then that they they asked for five thousand. Asano is giving them fifteen thousand dollars, but he used a bank counter instead of an ATM, so they would not get the money right away. So they got to wait a little while. It's not just going straight into their account or anything like that. So Arai is very thankful. You know, we talked about that Arai and Asano relationship through IWA Japan. That right there, I mean, that was a big time help. You know, that what Asano was willing to do. Uh, for Arai, you know, because they had been working together and everything, and, and understood the situation and was very kind of him. Problem was, was you know, like I said, he gave $15,000 when they were only asking for five. 
Well, they ended up taking all the $15,000 because they go, well, we're probably, we might not ever see this money, this actual money, you know, that we're owed. So they want five. He gets, he gives them 15. Well, they end up just taking the 15. 15 is just gone like that. So Arai go, okay, so they're going to let Arai go now. Okay, fine. They, he, they've been paid off. Arai should be good. So I'm, now he needs to go borrow, you know, he needs to go speak with another loan shark. Well, they kind of realize, wait, what if he goes to another loan shark? And so they don't want him going to, you know, going to go screw over another loan shark or anything like that. So they tell a guy to follow Arai when he's leaving and everything so that he's not going to speak with the loan. So, you know, it'll be reported back to him if he speaks with, a, you know, if he's speaking with a, another loan shark to try and screw money out of them. Well, that's what Arai was trying to do. He was trying to get with the loan shark and everything to get more money. And so um, they sent a watchdog out for him, pretty much. And so he gets this this guy that's with Arai, uh, or sorry, with the loan sharks. He ends up following Arai. He ends up getting in his car, and they take off. And so to make sure that he's not going to get in touch with any other loan shark or you know try and screw them out of the money, their trust for him is completely gone. So Arai goes, well, I can't meet up with the loan shark now. I got So he comes up with this plan to meet up with great, the great Kajika at his office in Shinjuku. And he was asked the watchdog to wait downstairs so Arai can get away from him while he's pretending to have a wrestling meeting. So he's going, okay, I'm just meeting with Big Japan. Uh, we're, you know, we're having this deal and everything like that. Um, you know, we're having a working relationship. Just stay down here, at, you know, on, on the first floor. I'm going to go up the elevator and everything like that and, you know, and have a wrestling meeting. So Arai shows up into the great Kajika's meeting room and goes, I need your meeting room right now. I need to use it. Great Kajika goes, okay. You know, he understands the situation and everything like that. So all these hours that Arai had been um, – he had been, you know, with these loan sharks and everything. All these other loan sharks are calling him. He's he had 40 missed calls on his cell phone, and over 20 plus of them were loan sharks he had borrowed from. So he spent more than an hour apologizing to all these loan sharks in the Great Kajika's uh, boardroom or meeting room, and getting the loan sharks to agree not to cash that check because it will end up co uh, collapsing FMW. So. Until he called, so now he ends up calling who Shoshi Arai calls Lone Shark D. Lone Shark D, um, because Lone Shark D was calling uh, Arai while he was with Lone Shark A and Lone Shark B. Well, Lone Shark D is going, why didn't you answer my call earlier? I don't, you know, I'm not going to accept your apology or anything like that. I want you to come to my office and explain to me, um, you know, what's going on, Arai. Well, he Lone Shark D is in Shinjuku, which is where um, you know Arai is right now. It's just down the street, so he's not that far or anything like that. But again, there's that watchdog downstairs, and so um, Arai ends up asking to borrow one of the Big Japan staff, so together they can pretend like he needs to go to a wrestling meeting with him, and um, so Arai, one of the Big Japan uh, staff members. And the loan shark end up getting in a taxi and go into this other building. And um, Rai ends up meeting with loan shark D and uh, as well as with the big Japan staffer. 
the big uh, the big Japan staffer and the watchdog they stay downstairs in the lobby. So Arai has now fooled this this watchdog of one of the loan sharks to be able to uh, you know have a meeting with a, another loan shark, which was the whole thing of we don't you know these loan sharks are on to Arai. So he got loan shark D who had already taken his check to the bank and not have the money transferred until the next day. Problem was, so okay, so now all right. Everyone's agreed and everything like that. Well, now Orion needs to call, you know, to not cash the check or anything like that. Problem was, is they called the bank too late. You know, now it's 4.30. The bank closed at 4. And the bank from a previous, one of the other previous checks had been cashed. So Orion ends up, that's a strike pretty much. And in Japan, two two bad checks or two separate, um, like separate timing periods of a bad check. Um, result in bankruptcy. So this is strike one. So because Arai, I mean, ended up getting in such a bad situation with uh, all these loan sharks taking time and everything, ended up missing the bank from um, being able to not cast the checks that had been presented to them. So like I said, so that's strike one on FMW right there, a, uh, a bad check. Well, it ends up turning out that actually two checks have been bounced at the same time so for a total of $20,400, it turned out that Loan Shark C, who Arai calls him, who had earlier agreed not to cash the check, had ended up cashing it in anyway. So they, you know, like I said, the checks, those checks bounce, strike on on FMW, and things are about to get really bad. So Arai speaks with the FMW office, calls, ends up calling the FMW office, lets them know one of the checks just bounced. And Loan Shark D overhears that conversation about Loan Shark C's bouncing. Well, Loan Shark D wants to bring a ride to Loan Shark C because they know each other. So he can discuss this check bouncing. So he picks up a ride by his arms to, and to take him to Loan Shark C, just physically grabs a ride and picks him up and carries him. You're coming with me. And so... Arai tells the witch, watchdog that they are going to, you know, they're going downstairs and everything. Um, Arai tells the watchdog that they are going to an FNW sponsor, which happened to be the same building as Lone Shark C. Well, when Arai gets into the car and with Lone Shark D and the Big Japan staffer, the watchdog screams that this is his car, and I'm gonna, and he ends up driving off with a Shoshi Arai's car. So Lone Shark D, the big Japan staffer, and Arai, they're about to get into the car. The watchdog ends up just jumping in the driver's seat and taking off, and the Lone Shark is like, "What the hell is this? What's going on?" So this caused four, you know, they're still right by Lone Shark D's office and everything. So this caused about four to five, four or five guys to come out from Lone Sharks D. They heard screaming and everything. A car just speed off, and they're come out. What the hell's going on? Well, it, what ends up happening is um, the the watchdog ends up reporting to Lone Shark A and Lone Shark B. Hey, this guy, you know, he went end up going to another Lone Shark. He, the 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 watchdog kind of picked up what R.I. was doing. This is bull. He's you know speaking with other Lone Sharks and everything like that. So the watchdog ends up coming back with R.I. Uh, in R.I.'s car with Lone Shark A and Lone Shark B. So R.I. lets Lone Shark A and Lone Shark B uh, lets him know that the checks have bounced and. You know, and from Lone Shark C and Lone Shark D, who they don't know. So now you have 
Lone Shark A and Lone Shark B from earlier. You have Lone Shark C and Lone Shark B from just now. Those two different groups, and they're all pissed off at a ride. A and B begin screaming at him for allowing these checks to bounce, knowing there's no money in the account. Uh, Lone Shark D grabs Arai by the shirt collar, and he wants to bring Arai with him. But A and B, are they want Arai. All of them want Arai dead pretty much at this point. They're so pissed off at him. So now, like, um, so now they're all pissed off at Arai, and they all agree, about 10 total men, you know, to bring Arai to a cafe. Um, but this is to, to sort this out. But this is the Lone Shark's trick, because if they brought him to an office or anything like that, that would be considered imprisonment, imprisonment, and which is illegal in Japan. So they can't just bring him to an office or anything like that. Could, you know, four different, you know, ten different Lone Shark men trying to get answers and stuff. So they bring him to a cafe, and, you know, and so Arai comes in and with these ten other guys, and everyone's looking at him. You know, you're just modern cafe, and you just see Tin looking, you know, Yakuza looking all dressed and everything, and then Shoshi Arai, who is just, he just doesn't know, I mean, at this point, it's just everything is spinning in a circle, and, I mean, he's just done for at this point. Everything's falling apart. Um, and so this is in space, like I said, so the Lone Sharks can talk to him, but it's not imprisonment. And so Lone Shark C shows up, um, and all of them, you know, occupy a corner in the cafe, and um, they they all go, okay, we want money now. We want the money. Uh, we, you know, you don't have money? Okay, you, you, we need something. What about the wrestling ring? The wrestling ring needs to be, you know, ex needs money. We need, you know, we could sell the wrestling ring for money. You need somehow to get us the money. Arai is begging him, please don't take the the ring. That's that's our, you know, stage. The, the, without a ring, we're not a promotion anymore. And, and the loan shark goes, are you an idiot? FNW's done, okay? It doesn't matter. if we're. It's our right to take your property because, you know, you owe us money and we don't trust that you're ever going to pay us anymore. So, you know, they're, but Arai is like, please, no, not the ring. I, I He's still, oh, with all this, still, you know, with one strike of bankruptcy, it's not officially over, but he doesn't want to give that ring up or anything like that. Well, they end up calling um, one of. They end up uh, calling an antique dealer. How much is an? You know, how much is the ring? And the antique dealer is like, the F and W ring's not worth anything. It's so big and bulky. What are you gonna do with it? You know. So it's not worth anything. And Arai is like, oh, thank goodness. I could not. I did not want to sell that ring. So now another loan shark, who Arai calls loan shark E, shows up. So now there's five different sets of of loan sharks that Arai has ordered or has uh borrowed money from uh, he's been contacted after all this uh loan shark d wants him to write the name down of all the loan sharks he has borrowed money from and Orion ends up writing over 20 loan sharks and one of them goes i thought it could be 10 but 20 such a shameless man so they have no respect for him being able to try and screw over 20 different of their you know, other loan sharks trying to borrow all this money that they're, you know, and then probably never pay back to them. Cause you know, he, they're giving them this pay pretty much, you know, like I said, they're get, he's writing these checks and then pay, saying, Hey, I'm going to give you this money to not cash the check, but then he's not having the money to pay them back the interest, you know, to not pass the, not cash the checks. So the new loan shark, loan shark E is upset because he's not even gotten any money yet. 
not even the interest money or anything. And FMW is about to go bankrupt, and he's not paying paid anything, so he's really pissed off. Well, Lone Shark A and Lone Shark B, they decide, okay, you know what? We got our fifteen thousand dollars from Asano earlier. Uh, you know, they're not thinking, not saying Asano, but all right, we got our fifteen thousand dollars earlier. Uh, we're just, we're just gonna call this. We're done. You know, we got as much money as we're gonna get from this guy and everything. But then, um, so they leave. So now it's you know C, D, and E. Uh, well, then Simu Yoshida, he ends up calling Rai. That's the FMW vice president. He had done you know some matches and been the evil heel vice president in FMW the late 2001. He calls Rai and he's like, uh, Rai, there's a situation going on here um, at the FMW office. Uh, at the FMW office, we're surrounded by loan sharks. So they asked to call all the so Arai goes call all the FNW wrestlers you know protect the office. So all the FNW wrestlers besides Mamasaki and the dojo uh, guys like Sam Paul and Makeda and the young boys they're at the, everyone at the FNW dojo is not called but everyone that has like a regular house or um, you know apartment or something like that they're called. You know, Kanemura, um, the Goemon, Ricky Fuji, all that stuff. They're called to protect the office from the loan sharks. Um, you know, eventually a, a sponsor is contacted. One of the FMW sponsors calls and, or gets contacted, and he comes by, and he gets a signature of a written pledge that they're going to be paid what Arai is owed. So that ends uh, that ends Arai's horrible, horrible uh, inter interactions with all the loan sharks. It's the sponsor going, you're going to get paid. Here's my signature that you will get paid, okay? So he ends up taking Arai with him. Arai is finally let go. Um, he brings Arai to the office. Uh, Fuki, Kanemura, the other wrestlers are at the office and everything like that after being called to protect it. And uh, Arai apologizes to the wrestlers. You know, I'm so sorry all this is going on. This is all my fault. This, everything I did, you know, I screwed up badly. If an, and he tells them, if another check bounces, then we're going to be officially bankrupt. So everyone, so then they have this all-night meeting. How are we going to keep FMW going? What can we do? So they're all sitting there coming up with ideas of how we can keep FNW alive. It's not dead yet, but we can still keep this going. Arise only half paying attention to this. He's so just like, oh, my mind is, you know, from everything, you know, dealing with all these loan sharks to one, the watchdog pretty much taking off with his car, driving off. Then all these, you know, four different groups of loan sharks, you know, grabbing him and wanting to pretty much kill him and everything. And so he's not even paying attention to any of these ideas that are going on when Fuki gets up and he goes, all these ideas are, you know, what's the point? It's all about the money. And without the money, we can't do anything. And he gives Araya a look like, this is your fault. This is all on you. You did this. We don't have any money and we're about to die because, you know, FNW is about to go under because of you. And the sponsor who was with Araya tells him, you're going to need to hide from these loan sharks. Um, we, you know, uh, Arai ends up calling his parents and, um, he, you know, to let them know like, Hey, the loan sharks are after me. Well, the loan sharks are already at their house. They've already meeting up with Arai going, you know, Hey, we need Arai. If he come, you know, if he's here, we're get he's ours and everything. So Arai ends up spending the night at the office up until about noon on February 15th. Um, he ends up staying a night. You know, he ends up going. Well, in the morning, he ends up 
going to a hotel and sleeping. The sponsor ends up paying for him. Um, and, you know, so he just, he's just out of it and everything like that. And like I said, he's just mentally fried and just after all that and just the last couple months and just all feeling horrible about Hayabusa and everything. Well, Arai ends up checking the bank on February 15th. And again, one of the loan sharks had tried to cash one of the checks. And so that was the second um, check that didn't, that ended up bouncing. And so now FMW Frontier Martial Arts is now officially bankrupt uh, over $2 million in debt. Okay. So my first question is, uh, does FMW have a finance department of any sort? I, I don't – I mean, I would imagine that it was just, you know, uh, Fuki was just in charge of the money and everything. And, he, like, Fuki and Nakamura, who um, uh, who had worked for Fuki's office and everything, they were in charge of the money and just keeping track of it. So, like I said, I, I've always felt like Fuki knew this is going down because he saw the money. He saw how much money in their debt. No one else knew how much they were in debt besides Fuki, Nakamura, and Arai. And so, um, you know, they were in charge, everything like that, as far as keeping up with the money. But, you know, they knew how much Arai was spending and stuff. And I, like I said, I always kind of thought that Fuki was pushing himself, knowing this company is about to go under and I need to kind of, um uh, make myself as strong as possible because I'm about to lead a promotion and I'm about to be the number one guy of my promotion because FMW is about to close down. It, it, it just, you know, and again, I don't want to, you know, it's crazy to me, but it did happen obviously, but it's just crazy that nobody um, was aware of this or intervened that it got so out of hand. Um, so, okay. Um, just to go on. Um, so, how does everybody find out that it's over? It it just been re it got reported all over the um the websites and everything. Like I found out through Nikon Sports. Um, it was just something. Uh, you know the the FNW wrestlers pretty much knew that day. Um, that had been a part of that meeting. Like this is about to close down, and um, you know, Arai probably told them after the second. You know, when he called up, uh, and found out that the second check had bounced when he called the bank. He probably called. The FMW wrestlers. I know um, the FMW dojo wrestlers, like I said, Makata, um, um, Yoshihito Sasaki, all them, the dojo guys, um, you know, they didn't know. Kanemura would end up telling them afterwards and stuff. So, um, you know, but as far as the public thing knowing, Gun Sports, all the um, Tokyo Sports, all the Japanese news, uh, sports uh, websites and everything, newspapers and everything reported it um, the next day or two. Um, like I said, I found out that day also just through the through the internet it, it had been reported. So, I mean, it was pretty much common knowledge that day, um, February 15th, after a couple hours that FMW had closed down. Okay, and um, what is the, like, uh, you know, are there any good quotes from the people involved, like, you know, Onita, Fuki, like, uh, like what do they say to the press about it? Um, so, Onita ends up getting pretty much saying that he, he tries to make an angle out of it, pretty much, and he uh, proclaims that uh, Nakamura was embezzling, that Nakamura and Fuki were embezzling the money from FMW to keep for themselves and everything. But Arai says, no, that definitely didn't happen. 
only $14,000 um, were not accounted for out of all the millions of dollars that we were in debt for. Only $14,000 were not accounted for. So if he embezzled any money, Nakamura uh, or Fuyuki, they only embezzled $14,000, which is, I mean, nothing in comparison. Like, why would you even, you know, bother if you're going to only embezzle that little out of millions? But um, so, um, but, you know, Onida says, you know, I'm a, I'm a senator now and I'm going to press charges against Fuyuki and Nakamura. You know, they're bad people. And like I said, it's, a, I mean, I'm guessing it's a complete angle. Um, I, originally, I did think, that maybe what if, if Yuki was doing was um, and we're doing was trying to knowing that the money this again this was just a thought I had at the time but it you know Arai would obviously say it's not true but I was thinking that they were taking money out of FMW going well it's already millions of dollars in debt this is going under no matter what uh, we might as well get as much money as we can so that we can start up FMW you know a, another promotion and everything afterwards and stuff so. That was my thought process. Again, if it was only $14,000, that's not enough to start up a whole new promotion or anything like that. So the Onita, like I said, he wants – he states that he's going to um, you know, press charges against Nakamura and Fuki. He wants to fight them and everything, and um, he uh, – and and Fuki, and also he announced uh, oh sorry Onita announces that he's gonna re, you know bring back FMW he's gonna bring back the FMW name um, he'll he's gonna start up his own FMW promotion uh, Fuki announces that he's just gonna take all the bookings from all the FMW shows and he'll continue to promote and be able to keep the FMW guys getting paid and um, they're gonna fulfill all the FMW uh, shows that had not happened. Um, like I may mention, you know, they were booked for Corrigan Hall on March 10th, so they're going to have that show. Then they were booked for a tour uh, at, towards the end of the month. And so Fuyuki takes all those bookings um, for FMW. Really quickly, so when he does that, is it as simple as, like, I mean, did they have to pay a deposit to the building and then to change uh, to, the, the you know, what will be the WEW brand? Um, is it as simple as calling them and saying, hey, uh, it was under that company, but now it's under this company? Pretty much because the company is not going to run the show, so those that that date and that time is now clear and everything. I mean, uh, you know, they got to still spend the money uh, to a, be able to, um, you know, run the show, obviously. But like, so like I said, FNW is booked for March 10th at Corrigan Hall. Well, now FNW can't run anymore; it's officially bankrupt. So Corrigan Hall now is free, and Fuki's going. Well, I'll take you know. My show, I know that I know that time slot has been taken, you know, for FNW, but FNW is no more, so I'll take that time slot, uh, pretty much. And here's the money to be able to run Corrigan Hall. Okay. Um, so what is so you had mentioned that Onita was going to start up his own company and all this stuff. Um, what are the status? Uh, you know, what is the status of the FMW? copyrights like the name the video library what is the status of the wrestler contracts the assets like the ring the dojo and also what is the status of the deal with um tokyo pop no oh, tokyo okay so tokyo pop deal is completely dead at, at this point because of fnw closing um the, there was nothing to you know work with they can still sell it and everything but they didn't have the right to distribute the footage anymore. So um, as soon as FMW closed down, Tokyo Pop no longer sold any new uh, DVDs. I think they had just came out with, like the last set was like 
January 2002 that they came out with DVDs. So, um, you know, then when FNW closed in February, that was it as far as Tokyo Pop goes. Uh, the video library, okay, well, so the contracts, I mean, all, at this point, all the wrestlers are freelancers. Um, you know, none of them have a, have a, have a job. Um, I want to make mention uh, Kanemura. We've talked about Kanemura in the past. So he had $120,000 a year contract. Um, well, it's gone now and everything. And the problem was, and well, uh, that Kanemura lived a very luxurious lifestyle based off his needs. So he, every night, would go to a love hotel, uh, pretty much. And he spent, and anyone that knows that, it's pretty much you, it's getting a, getting a woman, you know, having a woman set up with you, and you're staying in a nice hotel, paying a lot of money, you know, setting up pretty much for a prostitute each night, and having a, a you know, having a really nice hotel with her. So Kanemura is doing this pretty much every night, so he's going through that money fast. And on top of that, he's paying, he agreed to uh, pay for Tamakazu Morita, who, uh, Garuda, he's in Japan, and Kanemura is giving him $1,000 a month because, Otherwise, Marita, you know, Marita uh, Gruda, he's just trapped in Mexico with no money and, you know, being sent to him anymore. And so, um, and so anyway, so Kamura is, you know, taking a big hit financially based off, uh, he's used to being paid $120,000. Now he's not getting paid anywhere near that. And he's used all, he, he's been spending all that money for years and years. Um so that's as far as the contracts, and we'll go over the Hayabusa, the whole Hayabusa thing here in a minute, I'm sure, because that's a whole other aspect that we'll talk about. Um, uh, the video library, that's been a whole thing that many people ask about. So the video library is pretty much, it's broken up into many different layers. Uh, Mickey Ibaragi owns the very early set of F&W footage um, that, like the 1990 footage. Anything that he was a part of the company with, he had the deal that he owned that footage. So F he ended up releasing like the Onita versus Tarzan Goto exploding uh, explode barbed wire match, the very first exploding barbed wire match. He released that as a DVD years later because he owns that footage. Anything up to like early 2000, early 1991, Mickey Ibaragi owns. Then BMG Victor, um, they uh, re they had. Um, the video deal from 1991 to 1995, they were able to, um, you know, that was their their footage and everything, and they would lend it off to Onita for his shows. Onita sometimes would show BNG Victor footage, like the Onita versus Hayabusa match, uh, May 5th, 95, or the Onita versus Tenru matches, like highlights for his big show and stuff. Well, BNG Victor um, ended up closing down about um, about 2007, 2008 or so. So all that footage that's you know been pretty much been picked up by like Sony, like the European office in Sony. Like it's it's broken up into so much to where nobody at this moment owns that footage anymore. Same thing for Shiba e EMI. Um, you know, they own that footage that the Hayabusa stuff pretty much, um, you know, and that's where the Tokyo pop footage was going to where they were using the Toshiba EMI. Well, um, you know, Toshiba e EMI is a music company uh, first and everything in Japan. Well, it ended up going under about uh, 10, seven years ago or so. And again, an aggregate, I'm, I mean, I could look it up, and but um, off the top of my head, I don't remember. But again, it's like a big company, but not like a Sony or something like that that owns it. Um, like, but a different branch, and that they don't even probably know they own the footage. So no, all this F and W footage, no, at this moment nobody really owns, no, or knows about and stuff. 
the only FMW footage that is known, like a specific person owns it, is um, te- uh, when FMW went to bankruptcy court. Um, nobody ever bought the FMW name. No, you know, it's still just it's it's a company that just nobody owns. Nobody was willing to pay the money, uh, the millions of dollars in debt to own the FMW name. So it's still, I mean, it's still a dormant company to this day. Nobody owns FMW. But the FMW footage from the DirecTV and the Sky Perfect TV footage um, from 1998 to 2001 or 2002, it got bought by uh, Tetsuya Yamada, um, who would end up being the sponsor for uh, Mr. Ganosuke's WMF promotion um, later in 2002. He would buy the footage. So he owns that, uh, the late, you know, pretty much the entertainment era, DirecTV and... um, Sky Perfect TV footage, and then Samurai TV owns all their footage that they aired of FMW from 1996, 1997, uh, a little bit of 98, 2000, 2001, 2002 ish or so. So they all own, they own whatever they aired on 2000, you know. So it is completely broken up. So I give that answer because I get asked that question all the time. Nobody at this point, other than Tetsuya, uh, Tetsuya, uh, yeah, Tetsuya Yamada, um, he owns the the entertainment era pay-per-views, and then Samurai TV owns their footage that they aired. Um, one of the debts that we haven't mentioned is that um, you know Hayabusa is still in uh, the hospital, and he's he, you know he needs daily care, pretty much round the clock care. Um, with F with FMW going bankrupt, who's going to be handling the medical bills for him? Yeah, so I, I wanted to kind of go over a little bit about just like Hayabusa and, and just the hospital itself and, and everything. So um, prior to the uh, bankruptcy, um, you know, we, we talked about last episode how Hayabusa had uh, heart surgery pretty much to remove um, the germs of that were in his heart, uh, in his heart valve uh, due to just sitting pretty much just laying in a hospital bed all day and ended up getting um, bacteria and, and very sick and everything. And like I said, he had successful um, heart surgery. And so he ended up, um, you know, just staying at this, this hospital uh, fighting for his life for a little while. So now he's just sitting in the hospital. And um, after um, January 6th, he would end up getting a, um, an unexpected visitor when um, he's just sitting there and everything. And he just hears, Eji! And then the door would open, and it's Mr. Ganesuke in a wheelchair with his foot in a cast. And so Ganesuke tells him, you know, hey, um, you know, pretty much like, hey, we're both injured and everything. Let's let's race. Who wants to recover? Who's going to recover first? I'll race you. And everything, giving Hayabusa, you know, this good spirit and everything. And 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 Ezuki asks him, you know, hey, what, what's going on with FW? And Ganesuke is like, don't worry about it. Just, you know, it's okay. Everything's, you know, everything's good. Just concentrate on recovering and being back and everything. And, um, you know, and, and the wrestlers would meet with him and everything. Um, so, but during his three-month stay at this hospital at the Tokyo uh, Nihon University, which, you know, that was that emergency hospital that he was taken to right after his injury, you know, fighting for his life and everything, um, that whole three-month stay cost $50,000. And, and so um, on February 14th, so this whole day, the day that ends up, you know, the whole thing with Shoshi Arai, um, 
that it's it's now felt like Hayabusa can go to a hospital where he's not fighting for his life or anything like that. He can go to a recovery center instead where just he can focus on recovering and, you know, it'd be pretty much a live-in hospital um, to focus on him recovering. And so on February 14th, uh, um, Ezeki arrives at the Moriyama Medical Center and he meets his new nurse who um, ends up being, who is actually a big Hayabusa fan. And so he's, you know, thrilled to be, you know, working with Hayabusa, trying to help him recover and everything because it's an actual fan of his. And, you know, he lets him know, I'm going to do anything that's needed for you. I'm there for you. Um, we're going to work on physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. We're going to get you to recover. So things are looking really good on February 14th when, you know, and Hayabusa has no idea what's going on with Shoshi Arai that day. Well, then um, he ends up that night getting a call or sorry, well, the uh, next day Ezeki gets a call that the check that was issued to his bank account by FMW to pay for the hospital stay had bounced. So um, um, Hayabusa would end up having his uh, his uh, train, well, pretty much like his new nurse, who is Mr. Uh, Amaki. Uh, he they would call the FMW office, but no one picks up. So then Hayabusa starts getting all anxious and everything all night, just wondering what's going on with FMW. Why did this check bounce? He can't sleep. And so he's just thinking about what's going on. And so, you know, so on uh, February 15th, Koto Fuyuki arrives at Hayabusa's hospital to tell him FMW has declared bankruptcy. And Fuyuki lets him know, we're going to start, I'm going to start my own promotion though. And I want you to be a part of it. And um, Hayabusa agrees, okay, you know, every, yeah, it's just going to be a new FMW, just not called FMW. Fuyuki will run it and everything. I, I agree. I'll be a part of your promotion. Um, but the problem is now Hayabusa with FNW closing down, he now is no longer going to receive any workman's compensation. He's not going to receive this insurance money that he'd been receiving by being an employee of FMW. So, um, FMW is pretty much not paying the hospital bills anymore going forward. And, you know, I mean, think about this. You're living in a hospital being paralyzed. You're that, that's going to be an expensive stay. And everything. So, um, you know, so in the fifty thousand dollars, I believe was was covered by uh, that uh, staying at the um, the hospital where he was fighting for his life. That was insured by FMW, but now FMW is no longer. So now all the hospital bills are pretty much up to Hayabusa to pay. And how are you going to pay? You know, thousands and thousands of dollars of hospital bills. Um, so a couple days later, Shoshi Arai ends up showing up at uh, Hayabusa's office. And Shoshi Arai is just apologizing. I'm so sorry, you know, you, you lost your home to return to, you know, I promised that you would keep, you know, keep this going and everything. And it, uh, I would keep FMW going for you and it, now it's dead. And, um, you know, Arai would tell, you know, Ezeki that the, you know, the loan sharks are looking for me and everything. I'm, you know, it was actually pretty dangerous for Arai to show up. And um, Arai's account of this, you know, is just sad because Ezeki is just, look, just staring at him and, you know, looking just depressed and sad and, you know, and, and all he can muster up to say is, you know, it's, it's okay, Arai, you know, it's, it's all right, Arai. It's all right. Like he forgives him and everything, because Arai is just heartbroken that, you know, 
because again, we go back to Arai felt responsible for Hayabusa being paralyzed to begin with by causing, you know, having this hectic schedule and, you know, putting him on a bus and not getting the proper rest or anything like that. And so, um, Arai, like I said, Arai feels super responsible. And then, you know, now he can't pay for the hospital bills anymore. Um, so, like I said, it's just. Uh, a really sad and pressing uh, occurrence, and Shoshio Rai just feels horrible. Um, but so right now, Hayabusa is in a bad situation as far as um, being able to, you know, being able to support himself while living at the hospital and everything. And um, so, like I said, right now, you know, the last words he would say to Arai in person is just, you know, please be careful. And Arai would leave uh, feeling very, very guilty and just horrible. Um, two questions about that. The first one, we've, you've said a few times that he's in hiding. Um, you know, um, I don't know how the legal, you know, how the uh, the financial laws are like there, but um, what can the loan sharks do to him at this point if he has no assets? I mean, can they, they cut his toes off or something? I mean, yeah, they want to kill him. <laughs> I mean, they're, you know, they're looking for money any way possible. Um, I mean, we'll probably go over here in a little second. You know, I don't want to spoil anything, but they still, you know, they end up getting all their money even though – Arai just does about everything he can to give him the money. It's still not enough, but they still demand the money. They want their money, and yeah, I mean, it's you know you're dealing with really shady people and stuff, and that are willing to do just about anything to get their money or to get pay, you know, to get uh, to get their money back. And they're you know, I'm sure that they're willing to you know seriously injure him. Okay. Um, one more question. So Hayabusa's got, you know, a wife, two daughters. I assume he has, you know, that they're living somewhere. Um, what is supporting them? Like, is his wife working full time? Is the family stepping in? Yeah. So, um, and we'll probably go over it more next episode, but, um, or in a a little bit, a little bit, but I mean, yeah, their marriage ends up falling apart a lot because of this, but, um, Hayabusa ends up trying to um, claim medical insurance or you know disability pretty much, and he ends up not getting it. Um, and like I said, we'll probably go over that next episode. So like they're financially, yeah, I mean it really s- screwed them financially. Um, I mean it pretty much all their money uh, was was spent on this, and um, you know Hayabusa was very. You know, he wouldn't say this, but I mean, just having, just knowing his daughter, talking to his daughter, you know, they're all very bitter about the wrestling business. They, you know, she hates the wrestling business because of what it did to her dad and the financial strep that it caused them. I mean, um, there was a lot of issues as a result. And, um, but so another thing was, okay, when I met Hayabusa, he said like almost all my stuff, when I, you know, when I came back to live back at my house almost all my ma- my mask uh everything my jackets my attire and everything it was all gone and i go well do you think your wife sold it because you know the financial reasons he goes no no she wouldn't have done that and it's like i don't know i, I mean how, how did it all disappear then you know i didn't fight him over it or anything but i would imagine you know they were you know doing whatever they can to keep afloat and yeah you know she had a job and and everything and i mean Hayabusa had made some money so but, I mean, there were in a really bad financial situation for a couple years as a result of this. 
I mean, you're answering my questions by saying this, but it's like, you know, you would think like, so the, it, it, it just doesn't sound like the wrestlers were as tight as you would think they were, where, you know, you would think that they would pool together if, you know, if Kanemura is making $120,000 a year that they could pool together and help out their friend who, but maybe I'm assuming too, you know, too much well, there. Well, Kodofuki, I mean, it's just, it's like, you know, I mean, how much money can you give? Because it's so much like, you know, and they've just lost their jobs. And everything. So yeah, Canemer had 120,000, but he's been spending it at love hotels. So he's not even, you know, the best financial situation anymore. Now he's, you know, no longer has that $120,000 anymore. And, you know, so now you're going to pay someone else that, you know, I mean, Canemer, I mean, and that's the thing, like Hayabusa did have some friends, but Hayabusa and Canemer weren't that close or anything like that. Um, you know, so it just depends. I mean, again, it's just, yeah, it's, it's it's the wrestling business. It's not you know. I mean, I there some of them. You know, Ricky Fuji was very very close to him and you know good friends. And all of them would consider them. You know, having just talked with the wrestlers and stuff. You know, obviously there's the Mr. Ganesuke and there's the Ricky Fujis and everything. But you know, a lot of them just were like, oh yeah, Hayabusa. Hey, yeah, he's a good guy. I like him. You know, so bad that that injury happened. But you know, they're not gonna put their livelihood. They gotta support their families and everything uh, at a time that they've just lost their job. So. They're not in the situation to really help him out now. Fuki does, um, he does give some of the money uh, to his from his Kawasaki Stadium show. He does pay some of Hayabusa's medical bills and everything like that from the show. But he's you know about to come. He's about to uh, start receiving a bunch of medical bills also here coming up here in the next uh, couple months. So you know he can't even really help out Hayabusa as much as I'm sure he wanted to, but Hayabusa did get a little bit of uh, money from the Fuki, the WEW, the very first WEW uh, Kawasaki Stadium show. All right, cool. So, um, all right, we're going to go on. Uh, so you've mentioned it before, but Fuki announces that he's going to be starting a new company. Um, so, uh, you know, who, who are the wrestlers that are going to go with him and who are the sponsors and, you know, what is the process of getting this off the, the, the ground? So right now it's going to be his own money. Uh, Fuki's going to put up his own money. Um, he has found sponsors that are willing to start up a new promotion called WEW, but that's going to that's going to be held back till May. Um, in the meantime, Fuki is just pretty much just um, and I'm sure there were sponsors, small sponsors and everything like that. But this is pretty much out of Fuki's own wallet and everything. He's making sure that these FNW guys are getting paid. Um, so he continues all the FNW shows that were um, booked in March and April to continue to run those under his name, uh, his own finances. You know, like I said, I'm sure there were sponsors, but not much. You know, they weren't sponsoring much or anything like that. But, um, you know, he's found a big sponsor to or a bigger sponsor to help to start up WEW. That's his long-term plan. You know, WEW is going to be the new promotion. It's going to be the new FMW just without a rye. And, um... Like, is he bringing any other business stuff with him? Like, is he going to try to pick up the uh, the pay-per-view contracts, for instance? No. Um, Sky Perfect TV, you know, that contract has been has been null and void, and they have no interest in the Fuki Army promotion. It was kind of like, wait, you know, FMW was, was a low-tier priority to us, and now it's not even FMW. Now it's just this other promotion with just some of the, the, the same guys. No, no, no thank you. We're not interested. And so now FMW, um, or sorry, the Fuyuki promotions, as of right now, does not have TV. 
Um, okay, so uh, they announced they are going to be taking over the May 5th uh, show. Um, so, okay, before we go on to the first show that, that they do, uh, one of the FMW guys on February 24th, Mammoth uh, Sasaki, he does, a, uh, he does an appearance for uh, Pride. Um, what is the direction that he goes on now that FMW is closed? So I mentioned how on the last show on February 4th, uh, Mamasaki came out and he announced that he was going to work that tryout show for new Pride Fighters. So he ran, so he worked um, the Pride, the best show on February 22nd at Corrigan Hall, and he battled uh, Kim Jong Won, who was a former Pride fighter or former, you know, I guess he's. He was still a MMA fighter, but he had his prime was long gone. He would he had, it was this veteran that wasn't very good. And uh, Kim Jong Won just beats the crap out of him and beats him in like less than a minute, pretty much. Just destroys Mama Sasaki. Mama Sasaki announces, "All right, I'm retiring from MMA. any type of legitimate fighting. I'm retiring because obviously I'm not at the level of these guys. If I can't beat this, you know, veteran that's." Not very good anymore. So, you know, pretty much he failed his tryout, and Mamasaki is going to continue to be a wrestler because MMA is, he's not cut out for MMA. And um, for anyone listening, we're going to go over like where all of these different wrestlers wound up at the end of the episode. Um, but okay, so we're going to go on. Uh, so the first show, um, it's going to be March 10th. Uh, it's going to be a Kerr-Roken Hall show. Now, this, uh, this is not listed as a WEW show. It's a Fuki Army show, but um, if you want to go over that show for us, yeah. So, like I may mention, you know, these are just Fuki's. He's taking the he's taking the financial, um, the you know, the hit or however well it does. This is on him, his finances and stuff. Um, but you know, and and they announced two thousand fifty fans. Um, you know, this show was not taped. Um, it there's no footage of it or anything like that. Um, but. You know, I, I did see that they were selling all everything FNW like merchandise wise. This show was trying to sell it off. They were trying to make as much money as they can off everything FNW that they possibly could to try and help out money with Arai or Hayabusa. You know, I mean, at this point, there's just so you, know, you may mention about the Hayabusa thing, and it's just like, well, you know, Arise in financials. You know, struggles. Hayabusa's in financial struggles. All the wrestlers just lost their jobs, pretty much. And now Fuki, he's having to pay for. You know, he's trying to keep everyone in um, employed. And so, um, so the big thing here um, is Kota Fuki and Kentaro Kanemura. They defeat uh, Tetsuhiro Kuroda and Yoshihito Sasaki. It's a bloody match. Uh, Fuki beats the crap out of Sasaki. Um, Kanemura's all bloody and everything. And then um, at the end of the show, after Fuyuki pins uh, Sasaki, uh, P- P- Wild Thing ends up playing out, and Atsushi uh, Onida comes to the ring. And he and he ends up, you know, like I said, he was making mention of, of the whole, uh, Fuyuki, you're embezzling money, Nakamura, I know you're, you know, stealing all the money and, and everything, so... Onita challenges Koto Fuyuki to a match on April 9th at the next uh, at the next uh, Fuyuki Army show, and so the looking like the big plan is going to be Onita versus Fuyuki at Kawasaki Stadium on May 5th. Like that's that seems like where you know the they're gonna go because and play off the real life hatred of Koto Fuyuki and Sushi Onita. Um, quick question: Did Onita ever come to the Diet Senate to his theme song 
No, I don't think so. And I, I, I don't, I've never been told that. <laughs> okay, just checking. So um, I know I asked this a lot, but um, you know, Onidas, he's doing an angle where he's threatening to use his governmental power to prosecute these guys and stuff. Um, is he taking politics seriously? And does he intend on keeping his uh, status in the, the diet when doing this stuff? Yeah, I mean, again, it's just he was he was elected as a wrestler and he's just doing wrestling. And so no one's even really thinking anything of it. And it's not like, you know, I mean, he's, he ends up doing way worse stuff that ends up getting in trouble. But anything wrestling related, you know, he he was voted as a wrestler and he wants to be a wrestler. And so it's, you know, not thought of as anything, anything else other than this is a wrestler being a wrestler on top of as long as he's keeping up with this job, then he's good. All right, cool. So, um. Let's see. Uh, okay, so the next show is going to be on March 31st. They ran another their show. Uh, is there anything noteworthy from there? Um, no, this was just pretty much a house show. It was it was the makeup FMW day or the makeup FMW show that had happened. You know, it was originally scheduled for uh, January 21st. I mean, it's just a house show. Um, all these shows, pretty much, up in, other than the Corrigan Hall shows, they, you know, they bring in, they, they do start bringing in some DDT talent uh, to fill in the undercard. So. Poison, Sawada Julie, uh, Senzahiro Takaji, you know, they began working the mid-card matches. Um, some of the women's wrestlers, Tanny Mouse, Yoshiko Tamura, they're working. Um, but again, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just standard six-man FMW matches that are, you know, I'm sure not doing that great by any means. But, you know, I mean, they're pretty much just fulfilling all the... Um, all the bookings that FMW was not able to make uh, through March and April. All right, and uh, okay, so uh, then uh, they had kind of a bigger show with a big announcement on April 9th. Um, if you want to go over that for us. Yeah, so I want to make mention before that, though, um, that uh, Koto Fuyuki finally had a match against Mitsuharu Misawa on April 7th, two days before this show, and Fuyuki had been wanting a match with Misawa for years. 1998, he'd been challenging Misawa, and, you know, Misawa and uh, Fuyuki had worked a relationship with FMW and Noah in 2000. Well, Fuyuki wants to have a big match with Misawa, and so he gets a, sh a match on, um, I guess, on April 7th, and um, it's it's a it's an interesting match in the sense of you it, you don't see very often um, Asawa get put through a table, but Kanemura ends up setting uh, Kanemura who accompanies Fuyuki ends up setting a table up and and um, diving off the top rope, putting Masawa through a table. But eventually Masawa would end up getting um, the win over Fuyuki um, and with with an elbow, and Masawa gets the clean win and um, you know I mean it's okay match and everything. But afterwards Koto Fuyuki bows to the crowd and um that's the sign of something something's up so on april 9th if, if yuki runs in the you know the next corgan hall show and they have a main event of esushi onita tsuhiro kuroda and ricky fuji so it's like fmw guys the you know the street fight fmw onita guys taking on koto fuki kintaro kanamura and chakoba mukai kind of like the fuki entertainment guys and so it's a street fight, and um, the, this show, this match, at least the clips were aired of this match, and um, it, like I said, it's, it's a standard street fight, and um, they uh, Nakamura, who Asushi uh, Onita had claimed it had embezzled money from, you know, uh, from uh, FMW, ends up interfering. He ends up attacking Onita during the match, and um, you know, there's table spots and Onita hitting. Um, 
hit, hitting uh, Chakobamukai with a uh, broken piece of table, and um, eventually, and eventually, I think it's a uh, Fuki ends up going for a, a chair shot, but Onita moves out of the way, and Fuki hits ends up hitting Chakobamukai, and um, eventually Onita ends up hitting a thunder fire power bomb on Chakobamukai and gets the win for the FMW Onita Kuroda Fuki Fuji team over the Fuki team. But again, it's, and they kind there's a brawl afterwards and, you know, Kanemura and Fuki attack Onita. Uh, I mean, again, it's looking like Onita versus Fuki at Kawasaki stadium. That's the only thing that makes sense for WEW's first show. Well, um, afterwards, Fuki is backstage and he announces that, he has intestinal cancer and um, he's going to have to go to, you know, um, he is going to be retiring on April 14th. So in five days, he's going to be retiring. Um, What happened was the cancer had been discovered on April 5th. So just about four days earlier, um, Fuki went to the hospital because he, he realized he had lost 25 pounds so he went to the doctors to see what was going on. Why do I? Why am I losing so much weight so fast? And so, like I said, they they discovered that he had intestinal cancer. He's gonna have to get a operation on April 18th, and he's not gonna be able to wrestle anymore after um, they remove the cancer. And so, and Mitsuharu Misawa is backstage, and he, you know, to to make it, you know, to seem like it's a, to show that it is a legitimate thing of why Fuki's retiring. Because if Fuki's just announcing retiring, you're just gonna go, okay, how many times have you retired, Fuki? I don't believe you. But if Misawa's saying it, there has to be truth. And Misawa's not gonna just be a part of some angle or anything like that. So Misawa is there to show that it's legitimate and um, announces, you know, it's going to be at a Noah show on April 14th and all the proceeds of the Noah show are, is going to go towards Fuki and the hospital bills. So um, the Fuki show is going to be a uh, pretty much a, um, a uh, financial show. Uh, what's it called? Um, something, a fundraiser, fundraiser. And anyway, so um, they end up, uh, Onita ends up coming up to Fuki and he puts his arm around him and Fuki's crying and Onita's, you know, proclaiming that the feud is now over between Onita and Fuki. Even the, you know, the, the match obviously of Onita versus Fuki is off and, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cool picture and, and a cool scene with Onita and Fuki, you know, finally, because they really didn't like each other. Fuki didn't like Onita and, Onita obviously didn't like Fuki and that, all those backstage politics and a year ago Fuki not wanting to deal with Onita and and everything and you know now they're finally gonna have the big match to, sh- to have you know they finally agreed to work together because FNW is gone so we need a drawing a, a draw and everything so they agreed to work together and then just you know a couple weeks later Fuki has cancer and he can't wrestle anymore. There's a couple more shows here so uh, Fuki wrestled his retirement match uh, on April 14th in Noah. Um, if you want to go over that match for us. Uh, yeah, so uh, Noah would run at the Dipper Iraqi um, on April 14th, and Kota Fuyuki would team up with Mitsuharu Misawa and Yoshinari Ogawa. Uh, they would take on Ikira Tawe, Masayo Inoue, and Tsuyoshi uh, Kikuchi. And um, Fuyuki comes out and is the last one announced, and... Um, you know, uh, Nakamura, his his ring announcer, is uh, the one calling his last introduction and everything. 
and so many yellow streamers get thrown into the ring and and everything it's just it's insane how many people were through that uh yellow streamers in the ring for fuki um you know and all fuki comes out with all his his wew guys kanamura shinjuku shark chakobamukai uh kyoko Inoue. they all do a pose um I believe it. I think they come out even. I think they even do the team no respect dance, and um, at the end, uh, Noi, Kiyoka, Noi, and Fuyuki they do this cute little pose together. Um, but it ends up. Um, I mean, it's it's nothing of a match or anything. But Fuyuki ends up getting the win over uh, Kikuchi um, after about 16 minutes or so. I mean, it's just there pretty much to have Fuyuki you know, just do his signature spots pretty much. That's all it's there for. And he couldn't work. He didn't, he wasn't at the shape to work with normal match, you know, straight match. So that's why it's such an odd pairing considering he hadn't really worked very much Noah or anything like that. And then his big final matches against the Noah guys. But, um, so at the ceremony, Fuki has his wife and his two daughters with him. And, um, a bunch of the old wrestlers come out, um, Russia Kimura comes out to give him flowers. You know, the big have the big retirement ceremony. Um, Great Kajika comes out. Um, Yuji Nagata comes out. Um, Jado and Ghetto. Um, I'm drawing a, uh, Kinta Kobashi comes out. So a bunch of the, um, you know, a bunch of wrestlers that um, either Fuki had a long term pass with. Uh, a mighty Anoye from his IWE days comes out. You know, just trace back to all you know early early days of fuki through iwe all japan um and you know jaron ghetto war so anyway um so they have the uh, retirement ceremony and um there's also a message uh from hayabusa from the hospital wishing fuki luck with everything and um fuki ends up uh walking away um with his daughters and and wife uh you know and he would retire, and I mean, he actually, we'll talk about it in the next episode, he actually ends up coming back and, and everything, even with all the surgery, but I mean, his cancer, his cancer is real, and it's, it's, um, it's scary. Okay, so um, one last show for April. Uh, on April 29th, Onita went to 0-1, they had a show in Fukuoka. Uh, what's Onita doing there? He is coming out so that now with Fuyuki not being able to wrestle the show, um, they have to have a drawing. Sh- they have to have a draw in every uh, of a show for Kawasaki Stadium. So um, Onita comes out to a zero-one show with a letter, and he presents it to Shinya Hashimoto and uh, Shinjiro Atani. He, you know, he wants a match Onita versus and the Great Sasuke versus Hashimoto and Otani. He wants an exploding barbed wire match, and so he presents the letter to Hashimoto. Hashimoto just laughs at it, and Otani ends up. He Hashimoto hands it to Otani, and Otani just rips it up, and they end up brawling all over the ring. Uh, the Onita guys and the uh, Zero One guys brawl, and so. Hashimoto and, and Otani are not willing to have a death match with Onita for Kawasaki Stadium. And so it's going to be just a straight match with Onita and Sasuke versus Otani and Hashimoto. Um, I always just ask, but like, you know, uh, when they do these angles, are they planned out or are they just kind of shooting with it? Yeah, they, they're, it's planned out. Yeah, they have all the guys out and it's just, okay, we're all going to have this big brawl to set up the big show. All right, cool. So, um, okay, and uh, before we go on to May, I just want to ask one more thing. Uh, we haven't talked about him since closing. You know, it's been two. It's been two months now since FMW closed two and a half. Um, 
how is Arai doing, and uh, is he in contact with anybody? Um, well, I may mention that he um, he is uh, you know he 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 did appear at Hibusa's hospital to apologize and everything like that, but that's the last anyone had seen of him publicly. He is completely hiding. He is living with one of the FNW sponsors in complete hiding. No one knows where he is. There's no contact or anything like that. Um, he is writing the autobiography uh, to be able to try and help out financially, help all that money's going to go to the loan sharks and, and everything that he, that he's indebted to. Um, so right now at this time, he's just in hiding, working on his book. All right. And, um, and, and the idea for the book is that this is going to help repay his debts and everything. Um, one, um, I'm just curious, are they going after his family for this money? Uh, no, not yet. They will. We'll, we'll go over here in a little while, but um, they do reach out to his family after um, he is not, not able to pay them back and everything. But um, right now they're just going they're just aiming, they're just looking for him. Okay. So on May 4th, um, so we have on May 4th, Onita ran a show at Kurokin Hall, and on May 5th, the WEW kind of debuted at the Kawasaki Stadium. Um, if you want to go over these two shows for us. Yeah, so um, Onita announced a crowd of 2,254 fans. I don't know if that can, but uh, the building can actually hold that many fans, but that's what he announced. And so the big thing for here is, so we talked about, so FNW was not bought by um, anybody. So Onita can't, you know, he's announcing, I'm going to bring back FNW. Well, he doesn't actually own uh, you know, the FNW name, so he actually cannot use it as a promoted name. So he just adds his name to the front of it. So this promotion is just called Onita FMW. So it's a completely different company. It is not the FNW. Um, he doesn't even bring back, you know, um, the you know the indebt the uh, the promotion that he had is as um, you know because there was it was two separate companies. There was FMW that he owned. And then, because he had changed the name from Frontier Martial Arts to FMW Incorporated when he owned it, and then Shoshi Arai bought it, uh, bought everything around it, and and renamed it Frontier Martial Arts. So Onita has this has a brand new complete promotion. He is just using his name. The only thing that he owns that he brings back really is the original FMW logo, where it's FMW and there's a man um, like fighting uh, in front of the F. And that was the very first FNW logo. So that logo is back, and it's the um, it's on the cover of the ring. That's the big introduction to start the show. Like F the original FNW is back, and um, you know, this the show. I mean, it is filled. I mean, it is it is a complete nostalgia show. It does really well. Um, they have Shark Tashia and Kari Nakayama team up, um, up against Noki A and Gami. Um, with Megumi Kudo as the special referee, uh, Gami would end up pinning uh, Kiori Nakayama. Uh, um, Chakobamukai uh, takes on, so it's kind of the old FNW versus the new FNW. Chakobamukai takes on Katsushi Ueda, who was the old FNW kickboxer, um, with uh, Chakobal getting the win after Ueda would be de uh, disqualified. Um, Go, uh, Goemon would end up pulling out of the show. It was originally supposed to be Goemon and Onryo. They would end up, uh, Goemon would pull out. Uh, so it would end up being Onryo and Sun Paul. They would team up against the Shooters. The Shooters being an old FNW gimmick in early 1990, uh, where two black, uh, two guys with black mask, uh, you know, that would look identical. They would do like twin spot where they 
uh, move around and you can't tell the difference who who is who and who's the legal man. Well, there's a, a comedy spot where Onrio and Sunpal, who can't look any different than uh, one's a ghost and one's an American guy, um, they do the same spot to try and, uh, you know, show, like, do the the twin spot and everything. But um, Onryo would end up getting the win over Shooter 2. Uh, Matsunobu Kirazu, who was um, one of the old FMW 1990 heel, top heels, he would go up against Shoji Nakamaki um, in a barbed wire board bat, death match. Uh, Nakamaki's pretty much done at this point. Uh, Nakamaki is working for Onita's office, actually, with the, with the, as Cinder and everything. Nakamaki is working for him. Um, so, but he's pretty much done. He can go only five minutes before, uh, Kurosu wins. Um, Mr. Pogo, he ends up defeating Ricky Fuji in a scramble bunkhouse, uh, death match. Um, you know, it's just the Pogo type match with Pogo using the sickle and everything and ends up, uh, throwing, uh, Ricky over, over top rope with the chain and chain hanging him and everything. Um, Hito would take on Mitsuhiro Matsunaga. This is an interesting match. It's a scorpion barbed wire board thumbtack death match. And um, there's a spot here where uh, Hito ends up taking one of the scorpions and putting it in a, in a uh, baseball cap and puts the hat on Matsunaga's head with the scorpion in it and then hits Matsunaga over the head with the chair. Um, and then eventually, uh, Matsunaga would end up getting a, um, a, uh, torture rack on Hito while standing barefoot on the thumbtacks. And so Matsunaga has Hito in the, in the, you know, um, in, in the torture rack and Matsunaga just, the pain too, was too much for him to be standing on the thumbtacks. He ends up collapsing and just tells the referee, I give up. I can't do this. So even though he was doing the offensive move, he ended up having to give up. He just he went too far and above. And uh, Hito ends up getting the win over Matsunaga. And then um, at Sushi Onita and Masato Tanaka, they take on Kentaro Kenimura and Tetsuhiro Kuroda. So it's like the old FMW or the FMW versus the WEW guys. And this is the first time Kenimura and Kuroda are taken, off, uh, taken on against Tanaka for the first time in over a year since Tanaka left. And um, I mean, it's a good match. It's a standard street fight uh, type match. Uh, Kenimura sends Tanaka through a table and there's chairs, the dueling chair spots. And um, there's a spot where like um, Kenimura has a uh, Tanaka in a, like a figure four leg lock through it, but with his, uh, on his neck, on Tanaka's neck, like he's uh, choking Tanaka out with his neck. Well, Onita starts doing the same move to Kuroda, and they're both doing that to, you know, the, they're both staring at each other and yelling at each other while choking the other guys out with their legs. Um, but eventually, um, Tanaka would end up getting the win over Kanemura. Um, so I believe a rolling elbow. And then so Tanaka and Onita uh, get the win. Kanemura and Kuroda, um, I think, I believe brawl, you know, they're pissed off and everything. They attack uh, Onita afterwards. They're they're still, they're you know, they run away as the, or not run away, but leave as the heels and everything. And Onita does his um, big, you know, Onita theater to end the show with all the crowd going crazy and throwing the water bottles. And you know, I mean, it's it's a complete nostalgia act. And uh, I mean. For this show, it works, especially at Corrigan Hall. And for the, you know, it's the original FMW is back. But problem is, it's all, you know, besides the main event guys who, I mean, I would still, you know, Anita's in his 40s. The other guys, the FMW, Tanaka, Kanemura, Kuroda, 
or early 30s, but pretty much everyone else is, you know, old and, you know, in their 40s and everything. And so um, there's no way to really build a promotion on this, but it does really well as the first nostalgia act of FMW. And then if you want to go on to the, uh, now, uh, before we talk about the WEW debut, I'm just curious, why did they, uh, you know, they ran as uh Fuki Army through March and, and and April why did they wait to debut the WW or I'm sorry the WEW branding for the the May 5th show because he had found a different sponsor uh for the, that wasn't willing to do the other shows so this isn't um you know Fuki's not putting up his money he's just the booker and the promoter and all that but he has a sponsor that's willing to put in the money for these shows and so it's you know, and he this is what he wanted. He he wanted WEW to start fresh at a big have a big show and everything like that. He wasn't he wanted it to look to seem like a legitimate you know as big as FMW was type thing and not just some small indie touring and doing poorly, which it might have done if you had done it right away. Um, you know, holding at house shows that FMW um, you know was going to hold that FMW couldn't do so. WEW, you know, gets this big, awesome 16,000 fans at a Kawasaki Stadium, you know, opening show to make it look like a really big deal. All right, so if you want to go over this, uh, the May 5th show. Yeah, so I wanted to make mention before this show, though, um, back, uh, you know, with Fuki announcing that he had cancer and everything. So he had um, a seven-hour operation on April 18th. Uh, to remove the cancer. And so, you know, at this time, you just, it's cancer, you know, but hey, it's thought of like, okay, everything's going to be okay. It's, you know, he'll get it removed and everything, you know, Fuki will be okay. And well, the problem was, was it ends up, you know, and Kenamura comes with him and uh, his wife, Keiru, uh, come with him. And, um, you know, they're sitting there waiting patiently. And, and, you know, after a couple hours, like, wait, this is taking way longer than, you know, it was supposed to. This is supposed to be a couple hours. And, it took seven hours to have the surgery, but due to Fuki's abnormally long, uh, large intestines, um, it would be a lot more difficult than it was expected. And so they would remove, um, you know, they remove the the cancer after seven hours, um, and but Fuki would have to stay at the hospital. And so the first time that he's allowed to leave the hospital was for May fifth. So he comes straight from the hospital to the show. And, you know, he comes in, um, I believe, like, in a really nice car and everything. And um, they do a retirement ceremony for him um, during the show where he gets to be with the WEW guys, the Tetsuhiro Kuroda, uh, uh, Kentaro Kanemura, Nosawa, uh, Chakobamukai, Shinjuku Shark. Um, and I wanted to make mention also, um, you know, a bunch of the FMW guys also um, prior to this had pulled out um, of the show. So... Mema Sasaki, Goemon, um, you know, uh, so, you know, a bunch of the other uh, FN, so a bunch of the FNW guys have pulled out of this sh- this show, and so Fuki's having to kind of fill it in with DDT guys and um, uh, with more like bigger Noah guys. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so this show on May fifth, Drew and announced sixteen thousand eight hundred fans. So the combination of Fuki. Uh, retirement, which was a, a big deal, and then bringing in the Noah guys, and then having this big match of Shinya Hashimoto and Otani against Onita and Sasuke, you know, it did draw. It drew very, very well. So, I mean, it did a lot better than the FNW show did a, a year prior, and they used, you know, an exploding ring match. 
But um, the undercard matches, just kind of go over them real quick. Uh, Poison Sawada, Julian, June Kasai, um, they take on Biomonster DNA and Onryo. Uh, Ju- Biomonster Bio ends up tapping out to uh, po- Poison Sawada, Julie's uh, cattle mutilation. mutilation. Um, so Biomonster DNA's gimmick is pretty much just killed off here. Um, you know, they made it as a really big deal monster gimmick with FMW, but Fuki didn't really continue to book him or book him strong with um, in WEW. Um, Shinjuku Shark takes on uh, Kazumai, uh, Kazuma Nahai. Um, I may mention last episode how Rika Fujisaki was uh, Shinjuku Shark's girlfriend in FMW, and he was, you know, she got kidnapped, and he had to defeat, like, ten assassins that were, like, Yakuza guys, and so his big, uh, you know, he had to defeat ten of them, Um, you know, uh, he continued... In DD, fighting these guys in DDT and the Fuki Army promotion. Um, well, this is the tenth and final guy he has to defeat, and uh, Kazuma Nuhai is like, he looks like a Yakuza guy. He he, um, if you know what he looks like, he is pretty much the stereotypical image of him. Um, but and this is the final match for Shark to win. He ends up losing to Nuhai, and but in, but regardless, ends up getting uh, Rika Fujisaki back. And they hug, and that is the last. That is the end of that angle um, with uh, Fujisaki with and with the whole FMW kidnapping gimmick. Um, sends a hero Takaji and Takashi Sasaki, who would uh, end up becoming the Freedom's owner um, and a big Japan Deathmatch guy. A uh, lot skinnier here. He had nowhere near the muscles uh, back then. Um, they would defeat Chakaba Mukai and uh, Nosawa when uh, Takaji would pin Nosawa. Um, they would bring in Minami Toyota. She would work a match against Komiko Mayakawa, and they would also have another women's match. Um, you know, I mean, they just try to kind of fill out the undercards and everything. Um, the big matches here are Mitsuharu Misawa and Yoshinari Ogawa um, taking on Daman Honda and Masayo Inoue. So the big draw here is Misawa working the show. And, um, I mean, it's it's a standard match. It's nothing great or anything like that. Um, I mean, Masawa's the only really good worker out of this match, but it's kind of interesting seeing Masawa work Kawasaki Stadium. Uh, Kira Tawe um, would take on Tetsuhiro Kuroda. Um, you know, Noah was not going to lose to FM, or the WEWFMW guys. Um, at least Tawe would get some, or sorry, at least Kuroda would get some offense. He'd get his lariat and some near falls and everything before Tawe would end up getting the win over Kuroda. Um, same cannot be said for Kentaro Kanemura as he took on Vader. Um, Vader just completely destroys Kanemura here. Kanemura gets little to no offense. I think he gets like a shoulder tackle, and that's it. Everything else is just Vader destroying Kanemura, just laying him out and uh, finishing Kanemura off with a Vader bomb uh, for uh, for the win in less than seven minutes. Um, this, yeah, I mean, it pretty much was okay, you know, we'll let Vader work, but Kanemura's not going to get any offense in against the Vader. And then the main event of the show is um, Asushi Onida and the Great Sasuke taking on Shinya Hashimoto and Shinjiro Otani. And like I said, this is not a death match. It's the only time pretty much that um, they ever, anyone, well, I guess they ran in 2004, but uh, a, a death match that, main, this was not a death match at Kawasaki Stadium, uh, which was the first time at the, you know, that there was no death match for Kawasaki Stadium. So anyway, so 
Onita is going to uh, square off against Hashimoto to start the match and everything. And they're about to look like they're about to do a, uh, a test of strength. They put their hands out and everything. And uh, and right away, Onita spits mist in, um, in Hashimoto's face. And that causes this big brawl and everything. And the mat and Onita is DQ just a, less than a minute into the match and, and everything. And, um, you know, the crowd's pissed off that this is what, what a DQ one minute in, this isn't even a match. And so they agreed to let the, just restart the match and everything. And so they're going to redo the match and, um, Hashimoto just going to wrestle with mist in his face. <laughs> all over his face. Uh, Hashimoto begins to beat the crap out of uh, Onita during this match with kicks. There's a spot where Onita's trying to spit mist again in him, uh, at him again, and Hashimoto kicks him so hard, the mist comes flying out of Onita's mouth. Um, and Sasuke, you know, I mean, Sasuke tries to do some high-flying moves. He does um, somersault plancha and everything. But, I mean, by no means this is a good match. Um, you know, I mean, it's a shame. This is... Such, I mean, and they had, I mean, obviously Onita's not gonna be great, but you know, I mean, three of the three of the guys are really good workers, and Onita can, you know, he can have an Onita match, and this isn't even an Onita match for being Onita's last ever time at Kawasaki Stadium, and it's just disappointing all the way around, I would say, and eventually um, Shinjiro Otani looks like he's about to like kick Onita, do his, you know, run kick to the face and everything, and they're in the corner and. Onita ends up th- uh, throwing a fireball at um, Otani, and the referee again calls for the bell and DQs Onita, and this time it's official. Onita has been DQ'd, and all the zero-one guys and all the Onita guys hit the ring, and they're brawling and everything to to end the show. And I mean, just politics. I mean, you know, they just the Onita wasn't gonna job. The zero-one guys weren't gonna job. I'm sure Sasuke wasn't really keen on jobbing. Um, I mean, I'm sure he would have, but I think they felt that this was, you know, more important to have Onita just be DQ'd instead of, you know, just Sasuke losing to Otani or Hashimoto or anything like that. So, um, so anyway, so that's pretty much the end of the show. Um, you know, a big time disappointment as far as just the matches weren't that good, um, and the the main event having a screw job finish a DQ kind of put a sour taste in the fans mouth especially for this to be the big wew opening show and just to have kawasaki stadium show end in a dq it's kind of like you know having a wrestlemania match in the dq so um the only question that i have about the show is basically you know was there any pushback to all of the fmw talent losing the main matches um, not really. I mean, again, it was just kind of one of those, you're going to work with Noah, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get destroyed, and you're going to hope that you the show draws and makes money. And, I mean, I think at this point, Fuki is all about, like, hey, we're trying to pay Hayabusa, you know, his hospital bills. Hey, we're trying to pay these wrestlers. Um, I need money for my hospital bills. And, and so it's just one of those, you're just going to have to take, you know, Kentaro Kanemura getting squashed. Vader or Kuroda losing to Atawe, you know, things like that. That those something they're both willing to do for the betterment of getting the Noah talent. And so, um, you know, I mean, like I said, the show was the financial success, which I'm sure at this point, that's all any of the guys cared about. And um, final question about it. What is the, so with them launching WEW and them being, uh, you know, drawing from talent from Noah and kind of bigger companies, who is the intended fan base here and what is their reaction? Because, you know, if they're coming in as FMW uh, mainstays, 
and they see all of these talents just getting squashed, uh, you know, like what type of fan base are they 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 are uh, going for? Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, it's the FNW fans that are still um, it's it's the FNW fans, but now you're adding in the Onita fans. Uh, because the, the FMW fans alone aren't going to sell this show out or help make this show a success. Because again, a year ago you had it as an FMW show and it drew 10,000 fans, and you had to have an exploding ring match and you had to have Hayabusa's return. So this show you have Onita. You, you're just what you're doing is just hoping all these fan bases come together. So you have yeah the FMW fan base. You have the Onita fan base. You're hoping the Zero One fan base comes in. You're hoping the Noah fan base comes in. You're hoping that Manami Toyota and you know the All Japan Women old time uh, women's fan base comes in. You're hoping the DDT fan base comes in. You got Jun Kasai on the show. You're hoping some big Japan guys might, big Japan uh, fans might show up. Um, you know, so it's all these different promotions. It's just one of these like kind of like how the Tokyo Dome back on in 1995 was such a huge success because you had all the different promotions. So you all the fan bases come in so that was what the big thing here was let's just get everybody like have this be like an you know independent summit or just a japanese wrestling summit with zero one noah and all that all these guys come in so we can have a big show and then um you know i mean at this point it doesn't matter the fnw guy's job yeah you know they're not at the level of tawe or vader or anything like that who cares if they're helping draw the show that's all that matters because we need money and um, one final note. So, uh, as you, you said, uh, Kasai worked Kasai worked this show, and then later that evening he worked for Big Japan. And um, this is where he suffered his leg injury, I believe. Um, and uh, you know, uh, starting next year in January, uh, Kasai did debuts for Zero One. Uh, but Kasai, for this moment, he's done with the Big Japan office. Um, there's always a lot of talk about why uh, he left. Uh, what led to Kasai leaving the company? Yeah, he suffered a, a, um, a leg injury, I believe, and Big Japan wouldn't pay for the hospital bills. And so he had um, – he was always very – uh, against Big Japan. So he left Big Japan just super pissed off at them that they weren't paying his hospital bills and very negative about the promotion. And um, so he goes to zero one and he's just kind of this junior heavyweight and not very, not very, not pushed very well. Nothing, you know, he knows he's, you know, he's being wasted at zero one and he's not going to even be at the level to even have a match against like a Hashimoto or Otani. He's just going to be undercard guy. So after a while, he's, I'm out of I'm out of you know I'm leaving zero one. He only makes it about a year or so, and then um, he would end up uh, getting um, attached with uh, Ken Amura's group, and Ken Amura's group, and we'll go over in a future episode. They're working with Big Japan, so Jun Gasai is willing to work with Big Japan because he likes the you know the fans and he, you know he likes the money, and but he is not a fan of the front office and never, you know, he is, he still to this day, I'm sure not, you know, the biggest fan of um, Eji Tosaka or great Kajika or, you know, the people that were not willing to pay for his medical bills when he had put his body on the line for them um, for three years or three to four years earlier. Yeah. Especially when they're, you know, they're booking him to be thrown off of trucks and in fire death matches and all of the, you know, I mean, it's it's very extreme. And to think if he fell off a truck at a show and broke his back, would they be there for him? It's uh, yeah. bad business. 
No, Big Japan has a has always had that kind of bad reputation as far as just yeah not paying the injured wrestlers and everything. All right, so that's going to take us to May sixteenth. Um, I'll let you walk us through uh, what happened on May sixteenth. So I'm going to actually go back to uh, May fourteenth, uh, just two days prior to that, where the uh, sponsor or one of the FMW sponsors that was helping Shoshia ride called Hayabusa and was like, hey. I, you know, I'm Arai is staying with me. Um, I'm helping him hide from the loan sharks. I think he, Arai is going to kill himself. And Arai had actually, if you read his book, you could tell it had been on his mind for a while, at least when he wrote the book in April. He, he was planning on killing himself. He wrote a, um, a part about how pretty much saying he 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 his time on earth was going to come to an end he doesn't want to he's hoping something can happen and he does the metaphor of he hopes that he could kick out at 2.99 right before the three count um you know the or being the three count being the uh, his life but i mean he's pretty much knowing at this point that he is going to end his life um and he's making all the arrangements and everything, and the person, the the uh, FMW sponsor that's uh, helping him hide picks up on that, calls Hayabusa, and is like, hey, Arai is planning on killing himself. I'm, per- you know, I'm, can you talk to him? I, um, this is dire. And so Hayabusa calls Arai to, uh, on May 14th, and Hayabusa, uh, you know, it speaks to Rai, and, um, you know, Hayabusa is pretty much like, I'm worried about, your, they, I, you know, I'm hearing that you're thinking about killing yourself, and Rai admits to it. He he goes, yeah, I am thinking about killing myself to help, um, it's going to help out my family money-wise, because going back to that life insurance policy that he put out on himself um, back in 1998, right before his meeting with Esushi Onida, out of fear that Esushi Onida was going to kill him, he wanted to be fine. He wanted to, you know, have financial security for his family. He put out 1.5 million dollars for his pretty much uh, for his life insurance policy out of the fear of Onita killing himself. So he still has that policy, and so now he's thinking, you know, I owe so much money. The loan sharks are after me. It just will help out everybody, you know, to try and pay off the loan sharks if I just die and the the policy, go, the um, you know, the money goes to can pay off all the loan sharks. And so Hayabusa is talking to him and it's like, no, don't do that. You, you know, you, you want to live. You don't want to kill yourself. Um, you know, it's, whatever happens, you know, it can be figured out if you st- but you need to stay alive. You know, Hayabusa is very pro-life. You know, he had thought he had suicidal thoughts after his injury. He wanted to die, Hayabusa. But, you know, after his surgery, his heart to his heart, he you know, it, there was this new lease on life for him. And he wanted to live. And, you know, he even had said in interviews, you know, that the injury was a great thing for him because it put him in a different perspective that he never would have thought of as far as life goes. And, you know, it made him appreciate life more. Um, so, you know, he's very like, no, you know, don't do it awry. And, Arai goes, okay, you know, I, I agree. You know, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to kill myself. You know, I, 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 so Arai is pretty much just, you know, siding with Hibusa, like, okay, I'm not going to kill myself. Um, you know, everything's going to be okay. I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. And he hangs up, and Hibusa has a bad feeling after he hung up the phone. Like, I don't know if I believe him. Um, you know, just the way he was saying it. I mean, Hayabusa was pretty much just taking it as, the, you know, he's just telling me what I want to hear. And 
Um, so then on May 16th, uh, you know, two days later, um, at the uh, Mitsumoto Park in uh, Katsushika, uh, in the, which is in Tokyo, and it's there's tons of trees in this area. It's a big, giant park. Um, at 6.20 a.m. on May 16th, uh, Shoshi Arai's body was found by a jogger. Um, so it probably had just been an hour or two early. Arai probably woke up early that morning. He went in his traditional business suit that he was always wear, that he would always wear to the ring in FMW. He would go to this park and he would take his uh, tie and he would hang himself um, with one of the branches on the trees on one of the trees. And so a jogger found his body and you know called 911 pretty much right away. And yep, it was. It was announced that Shoshi Arai had killed himself. Um, and a day or so afterwards, all the FMW wrestlers got letters from Shoshi Arai. Um, he, he wrote apologizing to them about the financial situation. So this was, like I said, about a day or two later. They all knew that Arai had passed away, but probably the day before, probably on May 15th, he probably sent that, he sent these out to everybody as far as the FNW staff. So like Mr. Ganesuke got one, Kanemura got uh, one, even, um, uh, Sugio uh, J Taro, who was who had not even was 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 the FNW commentator and part of the booking staff, um, he wasn't even working in FNW at the very end. He got a letter, and so everyone got a letter, just arrived apologizing, hoping that this the money that um, you know he wanted this money to go to the FNW wrestlers as well because he owed them money. But I don't I don't know if. I don't believe it ever actually got him, but he was thinking this is going to be so much money that off um, that help pay off, you know, some of the debts I owe for the wrestlers that weren't that didn't get paid. So, um, you know, this was just his way of thinking. This is my, you know, uh, helping everybody out. But like I said, I don't know. If, I don't know if that necessarily was enough to uh, pay everybody. But um, so anyway, so everybody got a letter. At, um, but Hayabusa, he got ten cassette tapes from Shoshi Arai. And so he, uh, um, Hayabusa listens to all these tapes. And so he, it's just Arai apologizing, um, just so sorry for everything that he did. Cause he felt, he, he and, and, and in the cassette, he's saying, I'm taking my own life. I felt like I've disappointed everybody. Um, you know, he felt like, you know, he, again, he, he felt like he was responsible for Hayabusa who was one of the few wrestlers that, that were really good friends. You know, he was really good. They were really good friends from the beginning, going back to 1991 when Hayabusa had just had his second match against the Gladiator and, um, and you know, Mike Awesome is beating the crap out of him and Hayabusa is vomiting black blood and Shoshi Arai was the guy to come over and be like, are you okay? You know, so there was always that friendship. A lot of the FMW wrestlers weren't necessarily friends with Shoshi Arai, but, um, you know, Hayabusa was. So Hayabusa took this very personal, you know, very, you know, it was, a, it was very sad, to, you know, that was his friend of 10 plus years, you know, passing away. Um, Koto Fuyuki hears the news and has a panic attack. And because of his, his illness, he ends up having to go, to, you know, with the cancer and everything, he has to be treated right away um, at the hospital. Um, you know, he had gotten to, um, 
he had gotten to leave the hospital for a little while. Well, he has a panic attack, and he pretty much has to go back into the hospital due to just hearing that news of Shoshi Arai, uh, Shoshi Arai's passing. And um, I wanted to tell this story also. So, um, so Shoshi Arai, um, you know, he they ended up getting $1.5 million um, from his life insurance policy. Well, he owed uh, more money than that with the loan sharks. Um, so all that money did not pay off the the loan sharks. So they still were wanting the money from the Arai family. His his ex-wife was still responsible for paying it. And it ended up eventually, I mean, they would have to pay... Um, you know, certain amounts, the, the, the loan sharks would just take the, you know, they weren't going to go away just because Shoshi Arai, you know, was, had passed away. They went on to his ex-wife. And so she was paying up until a certain point for a couple years until her father um, ended up just paying it all, paying the rest off. So after a couple years, finally Shoshi Arai, you know, no longer, you know, having passed away, he no longer owed any money, you know, in his passing. But it, again, it took years and it took his what his ex-wife's father to pay it off um but i want but um so shoshi i, I talked about it a while ago shoshi arai's daughter um she um was very young at the time she's about six five six years old or so at this time you know so and arai and his wife had split up in october when she moved when she pretty much kicked him out and and they divorced and so Shoshi Arai and I, I talked about it a little bit um, how Shoshi Arai's ex-wife was kind of crazy and I and um, but this is how she felt what was best for her daughter she did not tell her daughter that her father passed away she went her whole life just thinking that her dad had just left and just moved away and um Shoshi Arai's ex-wife would end up marrying another man uh, a couple like a year or two afterwards so you know Shoshi Arai's daughter um Rika you know seven or eight and you know here's a new man and she just called him new dad there was old dad and new dad and so she just lived life with new dad not knowing really what happened to her old dad until she got on the internet when she was like 15, 16, 17, I mean, not even that long ago, just like probably 2013, 2014, just four or five years ago, and got on the internet to search about her old dad, knowing, having kind of realized he was, he was a wrestler, you know, he had to do with wrestling, and she, you know, she Googled him and found out that he passed away. So she didn't even know that her own father had passed away up until like 10 plus years afterwards because his, her, her mom just wanted – she hated him so much. She just wanted him to be disappeared from her daughter's life at all, no memory, anything. So also – so – um, and her name's Rika. She's um, she ended up like uh, she couldn't handle her mom. There was a lot of issues in her family and everything with her mom. And like I said, she feels her mom is crazy. She ended up going to Australia for a couple years just to get away from her mother for um, um, for for school. And so she knows English really well, having stayed in Australia for a while. And I reached out to her um, after getting Shoshi Rai's book translated. And we talked one time, and that's, you know, she, we talked one time a couple years ago, and, um, you know, and like I said, she was telling me about her mom, and she told me about, you know, getting on the internet to find out about her father passing and everything, and, um, you know, she's a singer now. She's actually, 
semi, you know, she she'll, she has like legitimate YouTube music videos and stuff. So she has, you know, I, you know, she like that's her career and everything. I mean, she's not a big deal or anything like that, but she's um you know, she she's big enough to have a, a legitimate music video. So anyway, and um, so anyway, I talked to her that one time and nothing happens. And a year goes, a year plus goes by or so. And um, I went to Japan in 2016. And one of my things I really wanted to do was go to Shoshi Arai's grave. And it is in the middle of nowhere in Sayatama. It's really like it's it was a, it was probably the most difficult thing i've ever had to do when it comes to japan just having to find the right bus that connected because it was just out in the middle of nowhere so i get there and um it's just this you just walk around and it, there's just this giant gra uh, graveyard and i get there and i mean i've gone this far it's you know an hour plus uh train ride and then like i said it's uh getting on all these buses connect to this connect to that get you know finally and then finding this graveyard in the middle of nowhere and it is huge and i'm like oh man i've gone this far i gotta i gotta find it and so i'm going through all these different japanese graves and everything and then i finally after about 20 30 minutes or so finally find Shoshi Arai's grave and it has the old um FMW logo uh the entertainment pro wrestling logo as his headstone on his grave and um so that was a really um important thing for me to do but the the crazy thing about this is and like I said I've gone uh, you know almost around a year or so without talking to her Shoshi Arai's daughter messages me on Facebook and I, and I looked at it, I get, I, you know, I looked at it, it was at the exact moment I was in that graveyard looking for her, her daughter, or for her, her father's grave, that she messaged me just out of the blue, um, just reaching out, sent, reaching out to talk to me. That was just one of the craziest things for me, just being like, I talked to this girl in, you know, around a year, and I just so happened, and she doesn't know I'm, you know, at, at this moment, at that very moment, looking for her daughter's, or sorry, looking for her father's grave in a uh, graveyard in Saitama. So that was always kind of ominous to me about that, just what are the odds type thing. And I mean, because like I said, I don't, I don't talk to her regularly by any means. So um, that was, you know, so all this is going on as far as the Shoshi Arai thing. And um, I mean, it pretty much that really was the end of FMW as we know it because, you know, I mean, if Shoshi Arai had stayed, you know, had lived, I'm sure all the other promoters, you know, they would book, you know, Mickey Ibaragi, well, um, you know, he would bring Wing back so many times. Uh, Sana would bring back, you know, keep IWA Japan alive. You know, it, they'd never be able to use the actual FMW name. No one has ever used the FMW name as a promotion but I'm sure Shoshi Arai would have promoted more, you know, FMW shows under his name, something like that. But with his passing, I consider that really, truly the end of FMW and everything else is kind of a sequel. All right. Um, so I have a, a bunch of questions about this. Um, so the first one is, uh, you know, what is the immediate reaction in the public from guys like, you know, um, Onita, Fuki, etc.? 
No, just sadness. I mean, but you have to realize also, like, Shoshi Arai wrote, had just written a book where he just tr- trashes Onita. I mean, we've talked about it, how a lot of the stuff um, we talked about on this podcast and everything is based off Shoshi Arai going, you know, Onita's doing this, Onita's doing this, Onita costs this much, He's he's forced his way back. And Shoshi Arai was very, you know... N- n- he did not think highly of Onita at the end, even though they were friends. And so um, Onita, you know, obviously he, he had a um, ceremony, a 10 bell, uh, 10 bell salute on uh, the next F, uh, Onita FNW show on June 2nd for Arai. Um, but he kind of had just kept quiet um, about Arai, um, you know, for years, years up until last year, he did an interview right before his, uh, retirement back in October 2017, and he wrote, you know, Shoshirai said a lot of things about me. Um, I don't believe that, you know, they're not true, but I mean, again, it's word for word. I would, you know, I would take a rise word about Onida, although I'm sure there was exaggeration involved. But, you know, pretty much Onita was like, you know, it's not true. Um, I loved Arai, and I just want everyone to know that I loved Shoshirai. And so, you know, I mean, they were friends even after Onita retired in 95. He still went to Arai to talk to him and he would still call him every night just to, to complain about his life and just vent and everything. And Arai would always pick up an answer. And so, you know, I would I would consider if I, if just kind of being just hearing both sides and everything. I would imagine that it's kind of I mean, it's kind of like a marriage of just kind of a. Um, emotionally abusive, you know, husband type thing, which I would consider Onita in this case, where it was he kind of took advantage of a guy who was just so that's Onita, that's Onita. I got to deal with it. Yeah, you know, I might not like this, but that's Onita. And so I, you know, I like I said, I feel like. You know, but now that Arai has been passed has passed away for 15 years plus, you know, and and Onita's not going to see that as oh I was being emotionally abusive or oh I was being the jerk at the end. You know, it was him just saying, hey that was my friend I was venting to him and you know I have a better wrestling mind than him so I just took you know I just kind of nudged my way into making sure that my decisions were final because I'm Onita and I have a better wrestling mind than Shoshi Arai which is true but again it's those it wasn't Onita's place really it was Arai's place to make these decisions but Arai was very you know timid and you know had a passive aggressive attitude whereas Onita very just we're doing it my way. And then um, Koto Fuyuki, he um, actually, you know, and, and they were, again, obviously, they were friends, but Koto Fuyuki blamed Choshi Arai for FMW closing. So, again, that's more of the Fuyuki considers Arai his friend. And, I mean, enough to where he's so upset he has to go to the hospital having a panic attack. But... Um, you know, he definitely, he wrote a book, uh, Kota Fuyuki wrote a book right before he passed away. And he pretty much blamed Shoshi Arai for FMW passing, saying it wasn't handled, you know, this promotion was not handled correctly. The money situation, you know, Fuyuki was in charge of the money, but Arai was the one, you know, had final say and everything. And Fuyuki just felt like it was an amateur running a wrestling promotion and he wasn't up for it. And that's what killed FMW, especially at the end. You know, again, kind of ignoring the fact that most people blame Fuyuki for his booking decisions and just going the American entertainment route. Uh, 
um, you know, the, or the, you know, I mean, the last couple of years we've talked about just the gimmicks and, and everything. A lot of that was Fuki, you know, so Fuki's going to see it as this was a ride. This wasn't me where it was probably, you know, I mean, it, it was a blame of everybody. F, I mean, even going back to Onita. Um, oh, FMW closing down, you know, can trace back to Onita, not really giving a crap if it closed down and I'm going to retire and it's going to close down. Onita never really set it up for the future. He just was, this is now, now, now make money for me. You know, let me have my big shows. Okay. Now I'm gone. You guys can handle it afterwards and, and everything. And, you know, so there's always that problem with FMW trying to build itself back up being a promotion that had been based around uh, Sushi Onita. And now they got to completely change. And by the luck of high Abusa being actually a main, you know, a actual star, it, they lucked out for a couple years until all these different situations happened, including going the entertainment route and going with Koto Fuyuki and his style of booking and Shoshi Arai making bad financial decisions and having bad, you know, I mean, again, you know, I mean, I, I think Fuyuki's correct, you know, kind of having an amateur run a professional business that he wasn't really kept, you know, quite kept up for when the Japanese bubble is about to burst and all the promotions are about to go down um you know at least financially so um you know i don't think that you have an answer for this but it's just when i hear this story and everyone uh, so um he had like no business skills he was thrown into running the company and he just didn't know how to manage it and it just got worse and worse and worse and i'm just thinking all i ever think of is i'm just like why like I don't know, why did it get this bad? Why didn't anybody ever, you know, nobody ever noticed that he was terrible at running a business and tried to do something about it? Like the investors, the um, um, Tokyo Pop, for instance, like there, it, it's, it's just kind of weird to me that for, since 1995, nobody tried to step in and help this guy out. Well, it was his company, and you got to get a look at it as, hey, FMW was still a financially successful company up until about 1998. But again, there there were there were signs as of 97, you know, where Shoshirai is not paying um, the tax, you know, he's the taxes that he's taking out of the wrestlers' paychecks, he's not paying um, the government for. And so there's that sign right there. But you know, you don't find that out until a year later. It's it's very like well you know let's let's it, and FMW itself I've always considered this FMW was not a the promotion was not a promotion for tomorrow it was a promotion for today and then tomorrow eventually happened you know again the Onita style and let's build up a bigger death match and a bigger death match and, and everything until you can't go any bigger and then all of a sudden now Onita's gone and now you have to start all over and again you lucked out with Hayabusa but. And, you know, Hayabusa was never was never could be and never was as big as Onita or, you know, Onita's FMW. The Arai FMW was never that big, but it still was a financial successful company in a lot of ways. But again, they let's they took shortcuts and at the first sign of, ooh, business is starting to go downhill because, again, the bubble crashed. You know, there was that crash in Japan where just all the promotions started taking getting hits. And so. You know, I mean, as far as, um, you know, just someone stepping in, again, it's his company, you know, and it's if you want to help sponsor me, you can. If you don't, you, you know, then move on to a different company because at this point in, you know, 2002, again, there's so many different companies, so many different styles. There's Lucha Resu, you know, Toriyama type promotions. There's All Japan, Noah, Zero One, all these different promotions being able to be something different and, um, FMW, you know, again, you can't 
kick this person out when it's his decision. This is his final decision. He's the one. And again, they're getting direct TV slash sky perfect TV money to, uh, you know, run this type of style. And, uh, you know, that's how they're on these big networks because of the entertainment style that Shirai felt was, this was necessary going back to, 1997, we were doing death matches, and the decline started happening under under the death match route. So now let's try this different route to see if it can miraculously change everything. Well, it didn't. It made the decline go faster. But I mean, you know, I mean, it just it, everything was just 2000. 2000, 2001, 2002 were just bad years for Japanese wrestling in general, and just FNW just never was able to to cater to again the future or tomorrow. I mean, I made I made mention um, how FNW never had more than like fifty thousand dollars. The promotion itself never was a net positive of more than like fifty thousand dollars. It always was run by you know okay, just we're not worrying about tomorrow. We're just making sure everybody gets paid today you know and everyone gets their paychecks until oops now business is so bad hayabusa's injured we can't make those payments okay um so a really uh i think it's a really sad story you know sad, it is. Yeah, sad no, story yeah no it's a, it's a tragedy i mean how many people ended up passing away specifically you know i mean shoshi rai and then you know you have hayabusa his injury resulted in him, him passing away um you know, I mean, I don't think Kodofiki passed away due to this, but, I mean, he died, you know, just a little bit over a year after FMW. So those are three big factors in this promotion, and they're, they've all passed away due to serious, uh, you know, illness or, you know, taking their own life or serious injury. And so it is one of the saddest stories in, in Japanese wrestling, I, I would think. Yeah. Um. Oh, I just have so many other questions about it, but it's it's it just it, it's all the same answer. Like my questions are with his family because I think of when Sabu has uh, when he's injured, they'll do benefit shows for him. And meanwhile, the, you know this guy's family is shouldering a debt of like a million dollars. It's just crazy to me. Um, it's a really sad story. Uh, but okay, so uh, going on, so the next WEW show that's going to be kind of the bigger one, uh, on May 27th, WEW, they ran Kurokin Hall. Uh, if you want to go over over that for us. Yeah, so they're pretty much at this point, um, a lot of well, the FNW wrestlers have kind of, uh, a lot of them have pulled out of uh, WEW, um, and we'll probably go over that um, in a little while or next episode or so, but a lot of the core FNW wrestlers, Sasaki, Goemon, uh, the younger FNW wrestlers, they are no longer on the show. So Kota Fuyuki, um, to make this like a legitimate promotion, he reaches out to Kai and Tai Dojo, to DDT, um, to... Um, like women's promotions and everything to be able to have a full on card. And so on May 27th, um, he has a show at, like, at Hall and they announced 1700 fans. So um, this again, is probably, you know, I would imagine pretty low. I mean, less than half full, but um, they start the show actually with a, um, a Shoshi Arai Bell um, um, memorial, um, you know, goodbye. And, 
Uh, you know, Masato Tanaka comes to the ring. Uh, there's a, a bunch of the FNW wrestlers, former FNW wrestlers, that um, are there just to say goodbye to Arai. You know, Masato Tanaka, um, Keio Nakayama, Hideki Hosaka, Kanemura, Chakobamukai. Um, so a lot of the FNW wrestlers, including some of the indie wrestlers that are also on this show. Um, but yeah, so anyway, um, the main event, because like I said, the semi-main event's just this DDT match, and I mean, Takashi Sasaki and Jintaro, um, you know, they start appearing on these shows for the first time on this show. Um, so that's kind of their beginning of, you know, starting on this post-FMW world. Um, but the main event is Kentaro Kanemura and Tetsuhiro Kuroda against Senzahiro Takaji and Dick Togo. And um, pretty much, I mean, this is a good match. Uh, Kanemura sends Dick Togo through a table. Uh, he jumps off the top turnbuckle, uh, with, um, sending Togo through the table on the outside. And, um, you know, Kanemura gets busted open pretty bad here. But uh, the finishing spot is Dick Togo turning on Sanzihiro uh, Takaji and giving him a pedigree. And then uh, Kanemura would end up laying out uh, Takaji with a Thunderfire powerbomb, getting the win. Um, Kanemura was, um, he was working for DDT as well at this point. Um, he, because of Fuki's illness and everything, he had um, stepped away as commissioner. So Kanemura was the acting commissioner of DDT as a result. So he was feeding with Takaji um, during this time period. And so, like I said, uh, Kanemura, uh, uh, Kuroda, and, you know, Taka, uh, Dick Togo have laid out Takaji, and Kanemura is about to lay out, uh, you know, just, hit Takaji with another power bomb when uh, Takamichi Noku would hit the ring and give Kanemura a super kick to the face. And so now it's going to be kind of like this heel side of the WEW guys against like the DDT, the main DDT guys, which sends the Takaji and um, Kaintai Dojo's top guy, uh, Takamichi Noku. All right. So, um, okay. So, um, Really quickly, so we talked before when Hito left FMW, there was uh, some type of friction between Hito and Fuki, um, and now here they are, they're involved in this feud and stuff. What is the relationship between them like? No, I don't necessarily know. There was ne uh, definitely a friction between um, Fuki. Rai had announced, hey, if you want to leave FMW, you know, go ahead um, back in 2000, and if you don't like this style of wrestling... And then around that time period, he did leave. And again, I don't necessarily know if hey, it was just a response to that or if he, you know, Hito announced, I'm going to America. I'll be back in six months. He went to America, stayed there for about a year, but then did not come back to FMW. Um, I was always under the impression that FMW just did not want to pay for another wrestler again after all the issues that they were having financially. And just Hito would end up going back to end up working for Onita and uh, Big Japan. So around this time period, Fuyuki reaches out to Hito and is like, hey, do you want to come back and start working for my promotion? And so Hito is now going to kind of start, you know, and Hito's, you know, Kanemura's in it and um, Kuroda and, you know, WEW guys. So Hito kind of fits in. And so Hito agrees to work with uh, the WEW promotion and would follow along. So, you know, Hito would pretty much just join back up with the Fuyuki group after um, after this. And uh, then the the final show of uh, of this period is uh, on June 30th, WEW. They ran the next show at Kurokan Hall, if you want to go over that one. 
Yeah, so they would run Corrigan Hall on, on June 30th, and they would announce uh, a crowd of 1750. So, you know, this is, I, I talked about how, you know, 2002 was not a good year as far as Japanese wrestling goes. Pride was a lot hotter at this point, you know, MMA, and, um, you know, Japanese wrestling was definitely in the decline. And so, but then you add in the fact that WEW is pretty much just that FMW entertainment style that wasn't really working with FMW. And then you add in, hey, this this promotion doesn't even have the top FMW, you know, a lot of the top FMW guys. It's just some of the FMW guys mixed in with DDT and Kaintai Dojo guys. So, uh, I mean, yeah, this promotion is definitely not setting the world on fire by any means, but um, he would end up defeating Biomonster DNA on this show. Like I said earlier, Biomonster DNA, the gimmick, after FNW ended, Fuki pretty much just gave up on the gimmick, and uh, Hito would end up defeating uh, Biomonster, and then afterwards, Hito would get on the mic and pretty much um, call out uh, Fuki. And so Kota Fuki comes to the ring, and... Um, Kanemura's with him, and uh, Hito begins bad-mouthing Fuki, calling him broken down and worthless. You know, Fuki's going have has cancer, and and so you know Hito is just talking trash about him and everything, when, which would result in Fuki kicking Hito right in the crotch to get away from him. So that's going to be the new thing. Of Hito is going to be kind of like the new top, one of the top heels in uh, the WEW. And then um, the main event is um, Senzahiro Takaji and Takamichinoku. They take on uh, Kentaro Kanemura and Tetsuhiro Kuroda. And so this show is kind of. Um, Getting Takaji being able to get his revenge back on Kanemura. It wasn't taped, so I've only seen pictures of this show. Um, but during the match, uh, Masio Orahara, who had formerly worked for War and he worked a little bit of FMW, he came out and interfered on Kanemura's behalf. So he's going to start working WEW as well. Um, but he, uh, he, so anyway, so he would interfere, help trying to help Kanemura, but eventually uh, Takaji would end up getting the win over Kanemura with a, a Stone Cold stunner and so again it's just kind of it's kind of this mix interaction of wew and um and um uh wew and ddt working together because like i said uh kanamura also around this time period he's worked like he had main evented uh the ddt corrigan hall show they had just ran corrigan hall show for the first time and it was kanamura versus takaji so they're just kind of having this feud uh, over the summer, pretty much over both uh, throughout both promotions. Okay, and so um, that'll do as far as the shows for this period. Um, I have a couple more questions before we wrap up. Now, um, you said uh, you said a moment ago that some of the the, the former F F M W talent they had stopped working for W E W. Um, now we're going to talk about it next show. But um, was this because of the incoming announcement of the W M F uh, company? Yeah, Mr. So Mr. Ganasuke had reached out to all of the FNW wrestlers. Um, he didn't want, you know, he was out with that injury, his broken leg, and he wanted to be a promoter. He wanted to promote his own shows. He and pretty much it was, okay, we just did this Fuki Entertainment style of wrestling in FMW. It didn't work. Why are we going to do it again? Why are we just going to let? And you know, Ganasuke, uh, by you know, respects Fuki, and so there was it's no slight, but it was just kind of like, wait, why are we going to do this again? 
I think my way of re- of wrestling would be way better, and you know we could we could catch you know some momentum going instead of again WEW at this point is already kind of starting to like mm, these Corgan Hall shows aren't doing that great. They're okay, you know. By no means are they you know. By I mean it's a smaller FNW which uh, you know is it's a smaller v- version of FW at the end which FNW at the end was a decline so now you have a smaller version of it trying to redo it so again Ganoske decides you know I'm gonna I think my new method would be way better which is having all the FNW like the younger wrestlers having a different focus. Um, on the promotion and be more based off wrestling in the actual wrestling style and not have the entertainment style for himself. So he reaches out to all the younger wrestlers. Like I said, the um, Satoru Makata, uh, Tamakazu Morita, Garuda, Garuda at the time, um, Yoshihito Sasaki, by the way, he, you know, one of the FNW young boys, he, after FNW closed, um, Tanaka was a really big fan, really liked him. He liked his fire and his strength and everything. So Tanaka actually got a job with Zero One around this time period, a permanent job. Um, and Tanaka convinced Shinya Hashimoto to bring in Yoshihito Sasaki. So Yoshihito Sasaki is actually now a part of the zero one roster but everyone else um everyone like like i said you know happy akeda uh flying kadichihara mama sasaki goemon all them they've all um it's a big secret you know no one's supposed to you know no one can tell anything at this time but you know they are all officially you know they officially left the wew side the fuyuki side and they're going to start their own promotion uh in a couple months all right, and we're going to cover that a lot more next episode. So, okay, um, my final stuff is going to be um, uh, so we have a, a lot of guys to kind of talk about. If you could briefly uh, tell us, and you know, if 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 they're going to wind up in WMF, we can talk about those on the next show. But uh, what companies do the main wrestlers uh, wind up with in this initial period after the closing of FMW? Because as you said, there's a lot of companies and a lot of guys. So where are they at the moment? Well, most of them, yeah. So most of them are just split up through WEW and WMF. You know, like I said, Yoshihiro Sasaki, uh, you know, was pretty much the only one that actually specifically left these two promotions and went to a different one when he went to Zero One. Um, everyone else, either WMF or WEW, Riki Fuji would work a lot of Michinoku Pro. Um, uh, Tetsuhiro Kuroda and Kintaro Kanemura at the end of June, they get a... a, a because of the zero one um, WEW relationship, um, through, like through Kawasaki, when Hashimoto and Otani ran Kawasaki Stadium, um, that got them in the door through zero one, which was a really big deal for Kanemura because you know, like I said, he's he's used to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year, and the previous year, his last year uh, in FNW in two thousand one, he made one hundred fifty thousand dollars because you added in that thirty thousand dollars of the year that he made with Big Japan, so he's making about thirty thousand dollars with Big Japan, and Enemer would continue working Big Japan, you know. But now you add in the WEW, which is obviously not paying anywhere near as much as. Um, as what FMW was, but you know, Kanemura was just living this lifestyle of being able to go to love hotels and everything. That when FMW closed, he was worried. Oh, I've used all my money. I've spent all my money. I've just wasted it. How am I going to eat? So you know, he had enough to be able to live off of. Obviously, WEW and Big Japan. 
but Zero One being able to get a full time or you know work so many shows and he would work the Fire Festival in 2002 for Zero One. Being able to you know get a re- semi regular deal with Zero One helped him at least. He obviously wasn't making as much when he was working with FNW, but at least you know he's working. You know at least it's a little bit half or over half of what he was making of that 120000 the year prior. Whereas Tetsuhiro Kuroda, who was also, you know, he worked the Zero One shows as well. He worked um, the Big Japan shows sometimes. He had saved of his money. He was more responsible with his money, so it wasn't such this dire, I need money, I need money, but... Kuroda, obviously, you know, Kuroda and Kanemura at this time, them siding with the Fuki and staying with the Fuki side, they become um, tag team partners regularly um, through Big Japan Zero One. Um, but like I said, everyone else at this point is pretty much just uh, going to either the stay with Fuki, work for for, for Fuki. Um, Chakobal Mukai around this time would work a little bit of IWA Japan, and um, we'll go over that probably in another episode. He gets an issue, and Asano has to bail him out. Um, but at this time, also, um, the, w, uh, the WMF guys, most of them are not even working up until WMF starts up. Uh, I think Goemon worked a, a Michinoku Pro show, and Anrio was working freelance shows um, like Big Japan or Michinoku Pro. But other than that, most of them just stayed, um, you know, just they stayed in, inactive up until w, WMF started. And um, speaking of going on um so i just want to bring this up you wrote on your site during when this was all going on that going on wouldn't be on on uh any of these post fmw shows because apparently there was an issue with he had ownership in something um what did you mean by that um i don't i don't know if he had ownership um he was very close with the fmw uh, you know, again, he was on the booking team for a, a good amount of time. He, I don't know necessarily remember. I mean, that was a while ago. If he had ownership, I mean, if it was, it was very small. Like I said, it was a big deal to him when FNW closed down financially and everything. And I, I talked to Ricky Fuji a couple years ago, and anyone that knows Koji Nakagawa, he had this very, very distinct long hair throughout FNW, and and then all of a sudden he just went bald. I mean, his hair just started declining fast. And, I mean, now to the point where he is completely bald. And, you know, I mean, this happened, you know, I mean, just in his 30s, just all of a sudden. And I asked Ricky Fuji about it. And I go, you know, what happened to his hair? It was so long and so, you know, I, I you know, so noticeable and just, just blind in just, you know, two to three years. And he goes, it's because FNW closed down. He was so stressed and so, and, and Ricky Fuji and Nakagawa are really good friends. You know, it, he was so stressed and had so much anxiety about FNW closing down. He feels he lost all his hair from it. So, um, I mean, again, I don't necessarily know as far as ownership or remember if it was an ownership. If it was, it was a small bit of one. But, um, I mean, again, Nakagawa was the FNW dojo trainer. Um, you know, he trained all the FNW guys. So he had more jobs as well when it came, you know, than just simply just FNW wrestler. All right. And with that, we're going to wrap up that section of time for um, F for the death of FMW. Uh, make sure to come back next week. We're going to be talking about w- WMF and a lot more of other stuff. And I just want to let people know, um, in this period, uh, we're going to probably start speeding things up a bit and covering longer sections of time. Um, so uh, that'll be really fun to me. Uh, so, Brett, if you want to let people know, where can people find you online? 
uh, bahufmw.com where you can read almost all about all about this stuff that we're talking about um, through biographies, results, news, everything. I mean, I have news going back to 20 years. Um, and then uh, you can find me on Bahu FNW on Twitter, or Bahu FNW, sorry, Bahu FNW on Twitter, um, and where I, anything that comes out, you know, breaking news type stuff, I'll report, or, um, and you can find me on Instagram, Bahu FNW Worlds, where I just post a bunch of pictures of FNW stuff, and Brett FNW on YouTube. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, I'm on Twitter, at INTL wrestling uh i have a website intlwrestling.wordpress.com where i do uh three or four times a month uh newsletter covering all the deathmatch news i can possibly find from america canada mexico the uk it's getting very popular for some reason and um i also have another uh podcast which is the deathmatch news radio which is on the tht network uh if you just search uh tht network you'll find it that's also where we're going to be moving these podcasts to starting with uh the previous show that you guys probably heard so, um, okay, with that, we will uh, thank you for listening and come back next week. <laughs>